0: This is Unfiltered, episode 196 for July 20th, 2016.
1: We've had a remarkable turn of events. Something has happened, you might say.
2: Um, This started on social media. People on Twitter first started circulating uh, sort of eyebrow-raising claims about Melania's speech, Melania Trump's speech this evening. Um, That led us, because it started to pick up a lot of speed online, it led us to uh, go dig up the archival material and check these claims. And it does appear that there are some unusual similarities.
3: Is July twentieth, twenty sixteen, episode number one hundred and ninety six of Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. Hopefully, that wasn't too similar to what you just announced at the top of the show, Chris. I liked it. I liked it, Chase. Thank you. It was very deliberate, but but you know, I'm never going to give you up, and I'm never going
0: to let you down. You know, we're never going to let you down with this show this week. Huge, huge show! We've got huge. some general terrorism news to get into. We've got an exclusive—not us, but one—a from an exclusive interview with Assad. We've got the situation <laughs> in the sea in Nice. We've got great. Uh, Chris is sits yeah. down with Assad. I'm in location interviewing. Uh, yeah, I, I I fought my <laughs> way to the Syrian Chris lady dupes. Yeah, <laughs> and sits Jesus. down <laughs>
4: yeah. with, with totally Assad. Do, totally,
0: totally. Uh, so that's like one. You know, that's like the, that's the top of the show. Of course, then we've right. got to talk about that crazy coup attempt in. And there was a coup, coup. in Turkey. Not coup. Not a turkey coup, but a coup in Turkey. Wow. And then on top of all of that, the, yeah. nine, the, the 9-11 28 pages were released. We've got some Clinton news. And then, oh my God, the Republican National Convention. So much no, to talk about. it's OMG, OMG, OMG. Yeah, it really
3: is.
5: It's, om- it's- OMG, OMG, OMG.
6: Look
3: well,
5: at what? And
3: don't forget, don't forget the the number one thing. Really, I mean, we talk about all these other things, you know. But the number one thing we get to talk about, actually, two number one things. It's like one A, one B. Okay, Sasha and Adela. One <laughs> A is our patrons, and we got a lot of great feedback this week that we'll be covering towards the midpoint of the show. And 1B,
0: Friday, uh, Star Trek comes out. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Jeez. You just melted my head off. Yeah. Holy jeez. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so That's really I have been. Story. I story. You know me. I'm a lifelong. Lifetime, I know. And I have been so heads down on this show. I know. Um, and then we're going to end it on a high note. And then after all of it, the overtime is crazy. The overtime itself could be its own show this week. So I'm really, really looking forward to this episode. Uh, here's... Just to give you perspective of how hard we've been working on this episode this week, just to pat ourselves on the back. Yes, uh, we did not finish even the editing of 195 before producer Matt and I were already collecting clips for 196. We had I'd wow. barely been off the air for a few minutes, and the, the, it has been so nuts, so much to cover. I want to start with uh, an interesting report that I don't know what to make of it, and I wanted to discuss it with you and see maybe you and I can break
7: it down. Big picture that they are now telling people the caliphate may be collapsing.
0: Hey, this is actually the clip. I, this is literally the clip I collected. Oh, that's hilarious. So let me see here. Do I have the... Uh, oh, what, what is the... Uh, it doesn't fit quite. I'm trying to get the exact time and date. Not that anybody but me cares. It just says last Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Yeah, it just yeah. says Wednesday.
7: Come am over here and, and work here. What does that mean in the fight against <laughs> ISIS in the main?
8: You know, this is what's really interesting because, you know, ISIS was all about the caliphate. It's about this physical place that they were going to build and they announced it the huge two years ago. Everybody had to come and fight with the Dash. caliphate. This was going to be this permanent, world-changing event. And, you know, it's not going to collapse next week or even next month, but even ISIS sees the writing on the wall now and they're starting to tell their people we may actually lose this caliphate and we'll have to go underground again.
7: Joby, does that hurt what has been one of their strengths, their, their PR and their recruiting methods?
8: Yeah, and we shouldn't get too confident about it because it doesn't mean they're not a danger anymore.
0: So the narrative that's being put out is that ISIS is preparing for a collapse of the caliphate uh, and that they're becoming desperate, Chase. They're becoming desperate. So then, of course, that leads us to the situation in Nice.
1: Took more than 36 hours, but Islamic State finally declared it was the inspiration
4: behind the massacre.
0: So, up until this point, it was, well, we don't see any direct ties to a terrorism group. Authorities don't see any direct ties. We don't right. see indications. And then, 36 hours later, via your buddy, my good friend, Rita Katz, we have ISIS claiming responsibility.
9: Oh. Meanwhile, French citizens as well as politicians have been asking how the country's security forces could have allowed such a terrible act to happen, particularly. As a state of
1: emergency has been in place since November's terror attacks in Paris.
0: And this is what's nuts now. We've had, these par- we've had these attacks while they've been in the state of emergency where they can collect all data, they can spy on everyone, they can round people up and arrest them, and they have been doing that, and yet the attacks continue. RT's Harry Fear reports.
5: Well, this is where the truck ran down the promenade, killing scores absolute horror. Some now asking, how can a massive truck ever have had access to the promenade? And how can France even prevent these sorts of attacks?
4: This morning we put several questions to the interior minister, the prime minister and the president. We want to know more about who exactly the perpetrator was and how he was already known to the police and to the justice system.
10: And it doesn't
5: look like the government has an idea of how to prevent this. Times have changed, and we should learn to live with terrorism. The idea that the French oh. what do you think
0: of that statement?
3: <laughs> uh, that's code for we need to continue collecting your data.
5: If life may now have to accept living in fear of the next terrorist atrocity, we have to accept
3: living in fear fury across the political spectrum across there's fury. not even
11: the any evidence of political will to bring it under control how can you tell people that we've got to learn to live with terrorism
0: so that is a bit of a situation as a result of the attack wow uh, yeah and more on this
8: now to france and the search for answers following last night's horrific terror attack in nice 84 people are dead, many others seriously injured.
0: Now, there's the number. I don't. I couldn't recall if we had it in the uh, in the last clip. And then my last clip
12: on this story. Our top story. Islamic State has claimed responsibility for the deadly truck attack in the French city of Nice. That is new. And it's according to reports in the terror group's own media. Well, for more on this, we can... So the, the report comes out through
0: their own media contact, who Rita Katz then publishes, and now it's ISIS claiming credit. Now they say it's the other reason they say it could be ISIS is because there was something that Anwar Al-Awlaki published in the Inspire magazine way way back in the day that said, "Hey, a great way to kill people is with a truck." I, it's to me, Chase. What I what I what I immediately start to suspect here when I, when all in a, in these shootings is these seem like deranged individuals. Yeah. That. There is a lot of anger right now in the politics in general. People are sort of sick of the establishment. There's a lot of upset people for a lot of different reasons, and we are just sort of accepting on face value that all of these people are being directed by ISIS.
3: Well, it's the first thing. It's like I I actually expect when are they going to bring that up on every major disaster like this tragedy where there's a you know a mass murder or a major accident? Yeah, you start
0: you start wondering how long like, until it's ISIS. When is are playing. they going
3: to try to connect the dots? And it makes me – I mean it, it's possible that it's all good and well that he is connected, right, that the, the perpetrator is connected to ISIS, ISIL, whatever, or terrorism. Uh, but it's like I'm, I'm – I don't know. Maybe am I programmed to expect it now and it's sad that I do or is this oh, I'm programmed to expect it because this is how they're spinning it? and this is their their excuses and ways to continue the mass like, surveillance or, or like, what have
0: you It feels like it's impractical that all of these different events have all been organized by the same group of people. It just doesn't seem like that's how things actually work in the real
3: or, world. Or or you know they they take the ad, these terrorists at their word when they say yeah I'm I'm doing this uh, I was inspired by ISIS. They left a note but there's no history of it, right? They're
0: they're just trying to cover cover their tracks yeah now they're inflated. saying well it's overnight radicalization it's overnight radicalization. overnight yeah that's what they say now yeah but it's it's not they're just trying to use
3: it as an excuse to help fuel the propaganda machine seems like it to me that's what it um, feels like
0: speaking of the propaganda machine it was in full force when they asked assad some questions i thought this was fascinating now NBC
13: news exclusive rare access inside syria for a one-on-one with embattled president bashar al-assad As U.S.-led airstrikes on ISIS continue in his country, Assad is also locked in a civil war that's cost at least 250,000 lives. His government accused of, in some cases, targeting civilians. Our Bill Neely sat down with President Assad today, and we want you to know that it was filmed by the presidential press office, but there have been no editorial changes to the content. Tonight, Assad speaks out about how history will judge him and on Donald Trump. Mr. Trump has no experience... So, I want you to understand what's happening right
0: now. NBC is sitting down and having an exclusive interview with Bashir al-Assad, the guy running Syria during all of the crisis in Syria. And the first question out of the gate that NBC rolls with is a Trump question. It's, (laughs) it diminishes the seriousness of this interview. Oh, Totally.
11: It's so unprofessional. Are you sure this is the absolute first question? And on Donald Trump. Mr. Trump has no experience in so foreign So we don't policy.
3: So here's the thing. We don't know if this was the first question asked because he goes
0: immediately into the first question. Yeah. So yeah. we don't know if there was a an But it's edit. definitely what we do know is this was where oh, this yeah. is the order NBC tried to air it or right, decided it. To, yeah, yeah, totally. And he and and Lester led with the with the Trump tease right there. Well, he his last part of That's the what tease I mean. was Trump. His, I guess what I should say is tossed to this package right. was the tease of Trump. Right, totally. Yeah, which is- About How
13: history will judge him and on Donald Trump. Isn't that now, Are they are they trying
0: to associate the two? It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's like he's not saying Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. It's just Donald Trump. It's how history will judge him and Donald Trump. Which it kind of doesn't that kind of lump them in the same category
13: like like the, like history's going to press office. But there have been no editorial okay, changes to it's the right content here. tonight. Assad speaks out about how history will judge him and on Donald Trump.
0: That is so weird to lump them together. It's weird. Mr. Trump
11: has no experience.
0: And then by leading with the Trump question, you now are associating Trump Assad almost as if like Assad is a Trump supporter. Right. Is that, I just I don't know. Maybe that's it's weird. It's a weird thing to do. All right. I'll, anyways, I'll let him ask the question. I'm sorry. just fast Lester,
11: Donald Trump. Mr. Trump has no experience in foreign policy. Does that worry you? Uh,
10: who had uh, this experience before? <laughs>
0: you know, you know, Assad. This could. He, when he <laughs> answered, when I watched this for the first first time, I was like, Oh man, he's just gonna say it. He's just gonna say that these. Politicians come in and run a country with no experience. Obama or George Bush
10: or Clinton before.
0: He even laughs a little bit dude yeah. he's laughing. He's laughing at their inexperience in this interview and the interviewee just sort of totally doesn't catch
10: it. Obama or George Bush or Clinton before. No one of them had any experience. This is the problem with the United States. You have to look for a statesman who has real experience in, in, in politics for years not because to have position in Congress for a few years or minister of foreign affairs, for example. That doesn't mean you have the experience.
11: So a man with no experience in foreign policy in the White House is not necessarily dangerous in your view.
0: You see how he twisted that answer? Yeah. Isn't that impressive? Wow. And he's like, he's just... he's He's already made the assumption that he's dangerous.
10: If anyone who doesn't have experience in any position, a White House or in the presidential palace in Syria or in another country, of course it's dangerous for the country, generally. He's saying all of those bastards have been dangerous for the country
0: is what he's saying. And it's just going right over this guy's head or something, or he's, or he's twisting it. How do
11: you think history will remember you?
10: I hope that the history will see me as the man who uh, protected his country. Uh, from the terrorism and from the intervention and saved uh, its sovereignty and the integrity of its land.
0: Now, that is a hell of a statement and not how I think most in the West would say Assad will be remembered. So let's play it back just real quick. And let's kind of translate
10: man who uh, protected his country. Uh, from the terrorism, so protected his country
0: from the terrorism would be the mercenaries that, like the CIA, is trained, right? right? That would be the terrorists. And from the intervention, intervention would be NATO and the intervention from the West to topple his regime and save uh, its sovereignty. And its sovereignty would be, if it, of course, if his regime was toppled, then it would just be a puppet.
10: Of the West and the integrity of its land,
0: and the integrity of its land—if its land means keeping its borders—even up against countries that are NATO members that maybe want to push I that. I think you did a very good job there. Nice job, Chris. Thank you, sir. Yeah.
11: Thank you. Know what the first draft of history is saying, that you're a brutal dictator. You're a man with blood on your hands, more blood on your hands than even on your father.
10: Oh, no. Again, I will draw that example. If you have a doctor who cut the head because of a gangrene to save the patient, you don't say he's a brutal doctor. He's doing his job in order to to save the rest of the body. So when you protect your country from the terrorists, and you kill terrorists, and you defeat terrorists, you're not brutal. You are patriots. He's
0: saying, yeah, okay, maybe I'm shooting people. Maybe I'm killing people. But I'm killing people who are attacking me. That's, he says, i, I got to crack a few eggs and make an omelet. I'm not saying he's right. He's a good guy. I'm saying that's his right. argument. And it's fascinating to He's being to see, straight with it. And it's fascinating to see right. how NBC choos, chose to play this. And how how they just squandered. Now we have seen two different interviews with Assad from the mainstream press where they just blow it. They don't ask him anything of real any real now, value. Now
3: to be fair, we don't know if there's any kind of pre qualifications on questions. Sometimes in, in order to get these interviews, they have to pre screen the questions ahead of time. And if they really wanted to ask some you know dark meat potatoes but kind what, of questions, it, but
0: what kind of questions would Assad not
3: want to answer when he's given answers like that? I don't know, but maybe are they pre-screened questions? you got to wonder.
0: Yeah, anyways, uh, good job there, NBC. Good reporting. Hmm. All right, uh, this one is a little dark. So I've often talked about, and you and I know it's fact, that there aren't really anything such as moderate rebels. There's this free Syrian army that we back. We give them money. We give them Toyotas. We give them guns. We give them training. We even have Pentagon soldiers that are there uh, working alongside, training, advising, and assisting. Um, but the reality is... A lot of them are psychopaths. A lot of them are mercenaries for hire that are there just to fight for, for – and we're going to get into this in Turkey in a moment. So this is – when you end up backing people like this, it sometimes leads to very awkward positions. So this is the State Department spokesperson and he's answering a question that's pretty brutal and it's oh, – we should never be in this position. But of course we are. Some of the groups that we back in Syria – Or caught on camera beheading a young boy. And so now the reporters are trying to ask the State Department if the U.S. confirms that they really did that. And now it's so funny. Now the State Department's all, oh, we can't really trust photos of beheadings that come oh, out of Syria. Jesus, you gotta really make sure you vet them. You can't trust everything, so we have to wait till we vet this, and then, and so they're okay. If you vet this, and these guys really cut this kid's head off, are you gonna stop giving them money and guns because they might have used your knives to cut his neck? Can I ask you about Please. Syria
13: just for a second? Of course. Considering there's a lot of violence going on yeah. there, I'm wondering uh, if you have seen examiner. or you're aware of this. Uh, Beheading of a child by um, a group of uh, that is supported by, the, by by the United
14: States. Yeah. No. Uh, thanks. Um, we've obviously seen the reports, and we just can't confirm. Uh, we're uh, seeking more information. Um, we understand from unconfirmed reports that. Uh, the the group, the Free Syrian Army, has appointed a commission to investigate the incident.
0: So the Free Syrian Army is going to investigate
14: itself on this matter. And that they've made arrests uh, of those allegedly involved. Um, you know, uh, I'd refer you to... It's Alzinki I guess, is uh, yeah. the group, uh, for additional information. Um, but...
0: Uh, oh,
14: this was yesterday, by the way. You know, I can only say that... It, it's an appalling report, and uh, obviously we're very concerned. Uh, certainly, if it's uh, if it's accurate, uh, we're trying to get more information and more details.
13: Okay, is that the kind of thing that could that if you're if you are able to confirm it, and if you do get, um, you know, you, you, if you're able to back up sure. the, the reports, is this the kind of thing that would um, affect assistance U.S. assistance to? Uh, this specific group, but also just in general to the the FSA?
14: Well, I think we take it, you know, if, if, as you said, if we can uh, uh, prove that this was indeed what happened and this group was involved in it, I think it would certainly uh, give us pause.
13: Oh. Give give you pause?
14: Well, give us pause about any assistance or, or, frankly, any uh, uh, further involvement Mm -hmm. with this group.
13: So in, in other words, so it will draw a consequence if, if it, there will be some kind of consequence if, if you're I satisfied that. This again, I, I can't say
14: what that consequence will be, but it will certainly give us, uh, as I said, uh, serious pause. And and, and, uh, and we'll look at, uh, frankly, any, any affiliation or cooperation with this group we may have going forward if these allegations are proven true.
0: Yeah, they, they, we're working with monsters. And let's be real. It's a super heavy event and yeah. it's not unique. It's just we don't hear about them very often. We don't get they don't get caught. Yeah. Um, and so it's while we're in Syria, I want to talk about something pretty remarkable that's happening right now. And I'm, I've got definitely I've got pictures and I've seen reports. John Kerry flew over to Moscow, met with Putin, met with top diplomats. They're coming to concrete terms on Syria. Now, the word uh, the word also was that Biden and Victoria Nuland were also there. That's also the word, and uh, I haven't seen as many reports on that. Huh. But you know, Victoria Newland is—we've uh, talked about her, her a couple of times on the show, Chase. I'm not—you might remember her. She's uh, so
15: that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it, and you know, fuck the EU.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you know where else she just recently visited, uh, Chase. Would it be the EU? It would be Turkey. She was just recently in Turkey. Jake
7: Tapper here. Uh, Let's go back to the breaking news out of Turkey. What the prime minister there is calling an attempted uprising and what looks increasingly like an attempted coup. Barbara Starr is standing by at the Pentagon barbara what's going on it sounds as though the military might be trying to
2: get control of the government in turkey is that accurate well uh, across washington agencies are scrambling uh, to figure out exactly what is going on. It at least appears from some of the video coming out of Turkey that some Turkish forces, we don't know how high this goes, have attempted some kind of operation tonight in Turkey, both in the capital of, Istan- uh, of Ankara and in Istanbul.
0: The timing was interesting on this particular one because uh, Erdogan was uh, at one of his vacation homes at the time And the word started to spread fast. We're
13: showing our viewers some pictures right now. Mr. Mr. Hasibi, uh, let me interrupt for a moment. These are pictures from uh, state television
9: in Turkey. You see military personnel there uh, now on the scene. They seem to be taking over state television in Turkey. Uh, Is that your understanding? Yes, as
16: I
17: said, uh, the faction
16: has managed to get control of some places. CRT is one of them. State channel is one
17: of them. But we we know that, and we have seen them on air, the president, the prime minister, and also the other officials. When on air, on, on all other private
16: channels are now running quite... Uh... So
0: they're going after the TV networks. They were trying to take down the Internet... Uh, Erdogan was leaving his house, that he was staying at his vacation house, supposedly under fire, leaving in a helicopter. Wow. Then the military made a statement saying they've toppled Erdogan.
18: Shocking events in Turkey tonight. A faction of the military says it carried out a coup and imposed martial law in the NATO member state.
0: Now, this is huge. Turkey is a key player when it comes to the war on ISIS. Or ISIL or Daesh, uh, and uh, a lot of a lot of people have reported that Turkey has been seen uh, healing the wounds of the rebels that we back, uh, arming them, training them. Of course, Turkey shot down one of Russia's jets that was striking. Uh, Turkey and Russia sort of recently patched things back up, but it, uh, this is a this is. Whatever goes down in Turkey will have huge ramifications for what happens in Syria and our war against ISIS. It
18: blames terrorism and repressive rule and says that, quote, a peace council will reinstate democracy.
0: Now, when they say they blame terrorism, what I wonder if they're really saying is we we are sick and tired of our government backing terrorists.
18: Military movements and fighting are reported in both the capital, Ankara, and in Istanbul. Tanks have been firing near the parliament building in Ankara, and helicopters and fighter planes have attacked key points there and in Istanbul.
0: So it's, I mean, nuts, nuts. Uh, And uh, this uh, CNN clip will give you a nice breakdown of the timeline.
19: 11.25 p.m. Friday, local time. The Turkish military says in a statement that it has taken control of the country and imposed martial law. 12.26 a.m. Saturday. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan speaking to the country via a FaceTime call into CNN Turk, telling his supporters to go to the streets to fight for democracy. Can you believe that?
0: Wow. Wow. Can you and if you're Apple, are you like, oh man, that's not the spokesperson we're looking for? Because let's be <laughs> honest, Erdogan is uh, he's a tyrant. Well, to be fair, that's Skype, not FaceTime. So. Are you sure everybody says it's FaceTime? Unless it's changed. I Unless think that no, I think that is FaceTime. Really, it's yeah. FaceTime now. And it's, I, it's, I been, it's been pretty widely reported as FaceTime. Okay. Uh, uh, and so this is really something, of course, because the military, for whatever reason, didn't get the internet shut down properly. Even though he flips the switch all the time, uh, he was able, so he's able to FaceTime in. And she's holding up her microphone to, his, uh, to her iPhone speaker.
19: The anchor holding her microphone up to the phone to hear what he's saying. 1.50 a.m. Gunshots reported at the presidential complex in Ankara and reports of helicopters opening fire at the National Intelligence Headquarters. Videos and photos posted on social media showed large crowds marching through the streets and taunting soldiers. Some facing off against tanks and armoured vehicles.
0: Social media again.
19: Crowds also gathering at Istanbul's airport. The site of a terror attack two weeks ago. Another flashpoint, the Bosphorus Bridge connecting Turkish Europe and Asia.
20: We heard two bombs in the last hour and the fighter planes going right over us. And the last one, everyone just got up and ran
19: inside. 2.51 a.m. The Turkish National Intelligence Unit claims the coup is over.
0: The Intelligence Unit.
19: There are also reports of bombs thrown outside the parliament building in Ankara. Meanwhile, troops enter TV stations, taking over the newsroom of TRT and shutting down the network. CNN Turk.
11: It was quite a scary moment. My staff, uh, their phones were confiscated.
19: Around 3.20 a.m., Turkish President Erdogan's plane lands at Istanbul's airport. He says law enforcement has started arresting military officers of various ranks. Turkey's deputy prime minister talks to CNN on the phone.
9: Who is in control now in Turkey?
17: Well, uh, there has been a failed coup attempt. Government is in full control. Um, there are still some rogue aircraft over Ankara. And um, I think they will like to be forced down.
19: 6.30 a.m. at dawn on Saturday, President Erdogan addresses a large crowd. He calls the coup attempt treason and says his government is in control.
21: But we will stand firm. We are
19: not going to compromise. Daylight brings clear pictures of the aftermath. These incredible scenes from Istanbul's Bosphorus Bridge of soldiers surrendering en masse, walking away from tanks and abandoning their posts. And in Ankara, pictures of serious damage to the Turkish parliament.
0: So it's really... It was it was it was a very serious thing, and here's another shot of those uh, sure exactly troops with their hands up. up.
9: Joshua, you may know maybe spider marks, uh, maybe a number of our panelists know, but again, you see them walking in front of tanks here, holding their hands up. I don't know if it's a surrender or if it's
0: no, they surrendered fairly. They realized pretty quickly and they surrendered. The word spread, uh, and then blame very quickly was placed by Erdogan on someone who's
22: behind it. Uh, Erdogan said. Uh, in this news conference, now I turn to you in Pennsylvania. What? Pennsylvania? <laughs> uh, presumably speaking to Fatella Gulen. Yes. Who is this this uh, Muslim cleric? And and uh, give us a little background here. Potentially, is he the person
11: behind this attempted coup?
0: Interesting. Uh, by the way, uh, they requested his extradition three days before the coup attempt. Wow. Well,
11: Fatih Gulen is a uh, is uh, a respected. Uh, <laughs>
0: He's uh, very rich. He controls twenty-five billion dollars worth of purchasing money.
11: Islamic theologian. He
0: he's connected to the Clinton Foundation through the company that employs him. He's donated uh... money to the Clinton Foundation.
11: Uh, now lives in Pennsylvania, of all places, and he commanded a large following in in Turkey. Indeed, that following. He's
0: also uh, he's also behind many of the schools and mosques here in the United States. Some of the. Uh, more extremist ones oh, all this is linked in the show does i'm sure he was going to mention all of that so I, I should probably stop Boeing yeah
11: once lent their support to mr erdogan um and so uh he he was once an ally of of, 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 the, of this particular government um his followers uh, got into government got into positions of power and authority uh, the police the, the judiciary the military and um Many accuse them of of being sort of sleepers, of of having their own agenda and of being there for their own purposes. Well, at a certain point, he and Mr. Erdogan fell out. He accused uh, his followers. He never
0: gets to it, Chase. He never gets to it, but he does talk about who the guy is. He fall. There's is the falling out.
11: Anything that goes wrong in Turkey, it's uh, to my mind, it's not really credible that you know a, a cleric who's not terribly well living in Pennsylvania could have organized a major coup attempt, uh, you know, thousands of miles away. And
0: I actually tend to agree. I don't think I don't think it was him either, so I let him conclude it there. Uh, and there is going to be a serious fallout from this that makes you start to wonder, uh, who was
1: behind this, really? I think the chances that that uh, was a fake uh, are well under
23: 50-50.
0: Now, this is the predominant theory online right now, is that Erdogan himself... Stage this. We've been covering a little bit about how Erdogan has been trying to transform his presidency into like more of an executive decision presidency where you can have unilateral decisions. He's been trying to rewrite a lot of their laws. And uh, of course, also, he's heavily involved with ISIS. So or at least the moderate version of. Anyways, the predominant theory online right now is that Erdogan himself staged this very coup so that way he could now take action. And I have linked in the show notes the numbers of people that he has now sacked or arrested as it's it's. Like in the military alone, it's fifteen thousand. Wow! And that's just one category. Nine thousand, ten, you know, 1,000 It's yeah. all in the show notes. It's crazy. Wow! So some people say, "Well, look, hey, this has benefited him. Now he has been able to enact some of his policies in one fell swoop with, with uh, support of the people like never before." But this guy says, eh, "I don't, I don't but buy it." They
1: may not be zero. Um, it's um, uh, it's it's hard to understand why they went forward with something as clumsy uh, and likely to fail as this.
6: And so, what are we looking for tonight? Because, you know, are, are Americans more in jeopardy, in other words? If President Erdogan stays, then, you know, tomorrow are we in the same position we were in yesterday with respect to Turkey? Uh,
1: I think uh, we may be in a somewhat less good situation even than we were yesterday. Um, uh, I think the tensions between uh, his government and uh, uh, us uh, are likely to uh, increase. Uh, I, I think it uh, could be a uh, very unpleasant uh, coming months in American-Turkish relations. I wish it were different. I, I love working with the Turks.
6: Wow, uh, instability, more instability in the Middle East. Is- so, not either either way. This is not
0: going to be necessarily good for us right. uh, now. I, this is really strange that we didn't see this coming, but the U.S. claims we didn't see this coming. And I find that odd because we have a close relationship with the uh, Turkish military. Uh, we have we have air bases there of theirs that we use. It's tight. And joining
7: me now is Secretary of State John Kerry, who is in Luxembourg on his way to Brussels. Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for joining us. Let's start with the attempted coup in Turkey. More than 200 people have been killed since the uprising began. Operations at the U.S. airbase there have been halted. Power has been cut. Uh, Our troops there are operating off of military generators. So this is
0: really odd. So these these military bases that we use in the fight against ISIS have been having the power cut. And the Turkish government's like, yeah, yeah, something's going to – we're just looking into stuff. It's almost like. So it's so the way things go down is that the Turkish intelligence agency uh, comes out and says uh okay we kind of knew this was coming and uh, the coup's over. Then Erdogan after the after they announce that done. Erdogan right. lands then claims he's responding – he's claiming you know I'm I'm uh I'm taking control again but air force attacks continue. Now that's especially where we have a special relationship with the US military and their military is it the in the, at the air force. So it's really interesting that that that, that continued and that then as a result, they're disabling our ability yeah, to use the power. Five military
7: yeah. facilities in Turkey have been placed at the highest alert level. This seems to show a huge level of disrespect. Who is responsible for this? Is it Erdogan?
1: Uh, Jake, we don't have all the details of what has happened oh, no, with of respect course. to the coup. Can't
0: answer that directly. And, of course, I'm never going to.
1: What we do know is this. Uh, I talked three times yesterday with the foreign minister of Turkey... They assure me that there will be no interruption of our counter ISIL efforts.
0: But there is literally interruption still right now today.
1: It is a fact that there were some difficulties at Insulik, but apparently uh, there may have been some refueling that took place. With- he's just
0: he's just lying. I mean, he's obviously covering it up because it's still an issue right now. And yeah, it's not like it stopped and everything's fine again. I I kind of have I kind of have a little bit of a bacon theory here. Oh. Is this
3: bacon from Luxembourg all the way?
0: Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, Kerry got some after he was done
3: talking to Putin. Yeah, fair enough. He sent it over to me because I'm a good friend.
0: It's interesting that this happens while Kerry is over in Moscow. Moscow and Turkey have been having a lot of problems recently. Erdogan's making some moves that are making our fight against ISIS not go the way we want it to go. It seems to me that it is in maybe both Moscow and the U.S.'s interest. To do a little regime change in Turkey, and we are the coup masters, right? <laughs> However, I don't think the U.S. was behind it. Oh, I don't think so either. It, see, when the U.S. does it, we do it with the class, and we get it done. Yeah, and here's how you here's mission how mission accomplished, Chris. Here you do it. You do it slow. You play dirty. You get mercenaries. You get terrorists. Because here's the difference: when you get the military to do the coup, they're just they're not as committed. You know, they're not, they're not willing to kill enough people. They're not, they didn't throw the president in jail. Have they you, didn't properly shut down the Internet. Have you they Googled
3: didn't, how to stage a coup, Chris? Is this what you're repeating to me right now?
0: What? No. Okay, I just want to make sure you... The difference, right. see, when you hire a mercenary or a right, terrorist, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're willing to kill anybody for as long as it takes. And they'll, they, will, they will stop at nothing to accomplish their goal. Whereas the military, you know, you, you hope... You, you hope that at the end of the day, the military are good people and they're only going to go so far. Right. And it feels like they wouldn't make a dramatic move like this unless they had a backing of some outside power. True. I don't know who, but at the same time, I, they weren't committed enough. And if it was a U.S. operation, the CIA would have had some insurgencies going on. You know, we would have done it Ukraine style. I'm more
3: inclined to believe that this was a setup that this was, you know, a look over here kind of a coup. It wasn't really a real coup. It was just to give the Turkish president a little bit more umph and a little bit more uh, you know, a little bit more lean uh, leverage there we go, leverage to push his policies.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean,
3: come on. I mean, it, it was it was wrapped up by the end of the weekend.
0: Yeah, they really messed up. They really did. It uh yeah, and it definitely has worked in his favor. I, I see. Here's the thing: if you look at the flight logs for Erdogan's flight out of his uh, vacation home, yeah, when his helicopter was leaving, they were shot fired. Like they were shooting at his helicopter, and he's shooting down there. There, well, he wasn't, but their helicopter was shooting back down at the ground. Like were they shooting blanks? Like, I, I mean, now you're frying some serious bacon.
24: <laughs> <laughs> now you're
0: frying the bacon ah!
24: <laughs>
0: with tracer rounds. <laughs> By the way, this bacon's from
3: Berlin. Uh, but, no, you never – i I'm just saying, you ever watch Wag the Dog? Or, you know, like Wag the Dog? Yeah, I'm saying.
0: yeah. I mean, it was perfect. So the, just, the way – because he was at his vacation home, he couldn't be arrested. He really – you know, he had a chance to get away. Then his plane was able to stay in the air until the intelligence agencies cleared things for him to land. It, it worked out perfectly for him oh, that yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, Lots of bacon, though. But I don't – I uh, just – Lots of bacon. I don't think he needed to do this. Things were already kind of going his way. But he was able to, like you say, make some uh, wholesale changes. Boy, he sure did do a lot of yeah. house cleaning. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he really did a lot of house cleaning. Okay. Well, before we get into the RNC stuff and we get into the Trump uh, the Clinton stuff and all that, why don't we just really quickly do the 28 pages? Okay. Um, so the, tw- the 9-11 28 pages came out. Nobody gave this any time because... All of the other – like the RNC was going on. Trump's VP pick was going on. There was so much stuff happening that nobody really talked about it. There's one report one report that really talks about it, and uh, it's only 28 pages, people. You can find it online. I have it linked in the show notes. It's in the supporter sync. You can read it. It's 28 pages. Can I get just the Cliff Notes version? Yeah, Saudi Arabia definitely, without any equivocations – Definitely financed it. Uh, people in the Saudi Arabian embassy, uh, the CIA, likely knew a lot more than they shared. It is there's names, there's there's a lot, about, there's 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 more than a hundred things redacted, but there's names in these things. There is means and ways that they financed this this attacks. It it handsomely paints a picture of their guilt. And what's great is CBS and others all played it off as. Uh, uh, and in fact, the Saudi Arabian government even released a statement saying this report just exonerates us and it, where they're the, – the, the legal word game they're using is there is no direct connection to an institutional financing. People – members of the Saudi Arabian government wrote checks but there was never a, a check on the behalf of the Saudi Arabian government. Right. Now, the embassy, you know, you could argue because the embassy employees were also involved in financing their flight training and, and housing and all of that. Uh, so their housing was paid for in some cases. All of this, you could that came from the embassy. You could maybe argue that was go- anyways. This clip covers at least the only really good report I could find on it. Intense. You see that? You see? He was, <laughs> did you see him? He's clearing off his uh, shirt. He was oh, it's great. I love so it good. And the the music's so, you know, hardcore pretentious.
12: Yeah!
8: Let's go play some
7: football.
8: It was a long time coming, but tonight we are getting a chance to <laughs> go over a chapter of history that has been secret up until now. It took years to get 28 pages of a congressional report released discussing allegations that Saudi Arabia had a hand in the 9-11 attacks in some way, shape, or form. Tonight, we bring back correspondent Kevin Cork at the White House to show us what's inside.
4: Was the Saudi government involved in any way in the 9-11 attacks? Directly or indirectly, the previously classified 28 pages of the 2002 congressional report on 9/11 suggest the answer is yes. The documents released today by the House Intelligence Committee confirmed suspicions that the 9/11 terrorists, most of whom were Saudi nationals, likely received support. All but two from Saudi intelligence officers. One section of the report states, "Quote: While in the United States, some of the September 11 hijackers were in contact with and received support or." assistance from individuals who may be connected to the Saudi government, saying again later, quote, there is information, primarily from FBI sources, that at least two of those individuals were alleged by some to be Saudi intelligence officers.
0: Now we knew this at the time. You know that the Bush administration was able to see this. They could they they, All they had, knew right away. And then we still would after Iraq it really is amazing how they took that situation
4: and, and they just really made lemonade. White House officials warned that the information in the 28 pages, which still has 156 redactions, was only preliminary intelligence. Uh, these pages, while they don't um, shed any new light uh, or change any of the conclusions about responsibility for the 9/11 attacks,
0: it's it'd be great if you if you've uh, if you've read it by now you, and you're about to hear a statement, you know how pointless his statement is because the conclusions and the things that they talk about are i mean the the facts are in the document
4: uh, they are consistent with the commitment to transparency that the administration has tried to apply they now he's saying that
3: releasing this is is one of their edicts of, oh, we're being transparent and we're being
0: open. when what We've, been, we've been covering <laughs> their, all their efforts to block its release yeah. this
4: entire time. ...commitment to transparency that the administration has tried to apply to Amazing. even sensitive wow. national security issues. On Capitol Hill, Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes drilled down even Ooh. further, saying in his statement, quote, it's yep. important to note that this section does not put forward vetted conclusions, but rather unverified leads that were later fully investigated. Sponsored by Saudi Arabia. Uh, And full disclosure, I have no relation. ...by the intelligence community. This is just a start. Jack Quinn is a lawyer representing family members of 9-11 victims who have brought a lawsuit against the Saudi government, alleging it gave financial support to al-Qaeda.
8: These 28 pages are, you know, a small sliver of the evidence that's been amassed and that exists, and and a great portion of which has still not been disclosed, going to the question uh, who and what was uh, behind the 9-11 attack on the United States. States of America. There is no Saudi government involvement or involvement by Saudi officials in the events of 9 11.
4: Oh, okay. A strong denial from the Saudis right there. And Brett, it may surprise some Americans to learn that the White House and the Saudi government actually do agree on one thing, and that is their opposition to JASTA, that's the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act, and that Mm. if it made its way through Congress and were signed by a president down the line. Could hold like the Saudi government, for example, financially responsible to 9-11 victims' families. The White House says that would be a very bad idea. Oh, yeah. Brett.
8: Kevin Cork live on the North Lawn. Kevin, thank you. Man,
0: that's really something to think about. What do you say we lighten it up? Are you ready? Let's let's do the feedback. Okay, Chase. Now, uh, are you ready to bust <laughs> into your <yourself? laughs> Let's wait, uh,
3: wait what, what was that? I wanted to lighten it up the you know, moon. That was that's some uh, play that again? Uh, yeah, Luddy. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, it's time again to fill up my sack. That's how we, we roll. Chase's sack. Brought to you by you Patreons out there at patreon.com slash unfilter. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, let's all open right. it up, Chase. Right. Open it up. All right. We got a lot. We got a lot. By the way, uh, I put the call out
0: to all people at five or more per month
3: to support us.
0: <laughs> and I, that, just, that does kind of sound like porno music. And since this is the... Uh, Boy, that, uh, that doesn't really. Here, I'm gonna, I'll just play it. I'll just, I'll just give you a bed. Okay, here we go. Straight back up. And then you have a bed. Go, Chase! Anaj right. writes in and says, Hey, I'm reading
3: Hunter Thompson's Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail of 72. And I can't help but feel that very little has changed in American campaign politics since then. Do you share this view? Actually, Anaj, I think it, it's gotten worse because there's so much more money involved now. And so many more special interest groups than the '70s yeah. and '80s. It's just boy, worse. and
0: we're about to talk about the RNC uh, oh. convention, and I, yeah. yeah, so that the boy, yeah. okay, ooh.
3: yeah, ooh. Yeah. it's okay. worse. I think. Okay. it's Continue worse. on.
0: Landon writes and says, "Hey
3: guys, one angle that I thought you uh, that I thought you would be interesting that you have not brought up yet is the nomenclature ad language around the gun issue." Assuming it comes up in the news cycle this week, feel free not to read this part. You touched on this when Chase apologized for calling the Orlando gun an assault rifle, but I think there might be something here. With both sides using language, I feel like the news and reporting may be using language here in a way that touches the very core of this show. I don't think you all need to show an agenda to talk about the use of language to shape and influence the national dialogue. I just think this would be an interesting angle if it's relevant.
0: Hmm. Okay, something to think about. I don't know, I have, I don't know if I have a response well, to so, you. Know, it, you know, how they're describing
3: guns yeah. and, and how, you know, they, 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 they try well, to we say what well,
0: gun try, uh, caused this. Do you, this, or, do uh, you remember uh, the clip I covered where they just they started the assumption that it was dangerous because it was an open carry area for Cleveland? That was something we did kind of begin to discuss it then. So, all right. Yeah. Are you ready for the next one? Yes. Flexola writes
3: in and says hey you all have mentioned before that you watch all the feeds well that's a lot of feeds i'd be interested to know how you manage that what is your process for consuming and processing the glut of information that is created every day what tech or workflows do you use to help parse it all how do you take the behemoth transform it into something digestible sift through it and then
0: produce in such an Seemingly efficient way. How do you do it? Well, wow, that's a boy. That's a question where we could do a whole episode on it. Um, and it was this this week. It was particularly particularly challenging because there's so much coming in, so much all the time. So it's multiple methods. Uh, producer Matt has a whole bunch of ways to collect clips himself. Uh, and then here in the studio, we have several streaming services. a yeah. um, Couple that I don't want to mention. <laughs> One I will mention is Sling. And then of course there are ways to get uh, streaming services through cable providers. Yep. Then also uh, there is SiriusXM, which is where we get our audio clips from time to time. Where you hear them, we also will do clips collection online. So the, there's a lot of great clips we'll pull off, like a uh, Mox News. We'll pull clips from times to times. We'll pull a lot of different sources online, especially for the RNC. Everybody was live streaming. So when when it comes to when it's a live stream it's really easy for us to just capture the oh, entire yeah, just thing. Jump right on. And all major events these days are pretty much being live streamed like uh right now uh, I I hear at the studio I don't have a uh cable service I because uh, it's a it's a business we can 't get consumer TV service it's just uh, a limitation incredible, but we're still able to tune in via different services like right now I can uh, pop into uh, Fox News
25: what I learned yesterday i'm applying tomorrow and that-
0: and I can see that they're they're at commercial right now you can see they have Cleveland on another cam so we have ways to pull in different streams here in the studio and then record them diff- with different facilities yeah. plus combining online sources and Sirius XM and then uh, there is a whole nother process for the online news collection, which is it's a whole into itself a process. But uh, thankfully, by splitting up some of the workload and then by uh, sort of looking at the news from a high level and saying, well, out of all of the stuff, these are the things we really have to talk about. And then from that came the overtime when, OK, now here's the core things we have to talk about. But there is a little bit more you should probably know about. Or some additional information you should probably know. And that's when the overtime came along, uh, which was uh probably could have been its own separate show at some point, but we decided to do it that way. So I hope that c- kinda does. I that, think it does. Does that kind yeah, of that, that that works? Okay. That works.
3: So let, let me reach back into my sack here. All right, Chase, you get back in the sack. Yeah, so he says, uh, hey guys, this is from Zach, by the way. He says, Hey, Zach. hey guys, I've been watching and enjoying Unfiltered since the very beginning. I was very excited to finally be able to vote in a presidential election until I saw the choices it dwindled down to. I found it at times hard to be optimistic and care about the issues recently to the point where I just might pass on voting as I don't feel my vote has any power. Mm. Many people I've talked to and my family. And both major parties yeah. feel this way. And my question is, what is your advice to people in this camp who have begun to lose hope and interest in the current political system? My thought, you have... Uh, An incredible power. And even though you feel personally that your vote may not matter, and while statistically it may not, you know, by looking at the numbers, you have the power. You live in a country that allows you that power to vote. And, you know, whether or not you feel you should exercise that right that you have to vote, Uh, because not only maybe you may not need to vote for president because you feel you don't like the choices between Trump and Hillary or, or Gary Johnson or Jill Stein or any of them. There are probably loads of elect- uh, local elections and things that are happening in your world. Yeah, okay, fine, you, you got me there. Need, I think, need to take um, care of.
0: I think what you should do is uh, give a serious consideration to voting third party this year. Why not? Give it serious consideration. If nothing else, uh, it's a number towards dissent. And you know what? No matter what you say, and I hate it when people say you're throwing away
3: your vote, a vote for this person is a vote for that person. No. A vote for that person is a vote for that person. Period. Might as well throw it away anyways, right? <laughs> All right, Chase, next one. Uh, Gotta keep it moving. moving. Writes in and says, Hey, I realize that from the other side of the pond, British and European problems seem less important. (laughs) But actually, it is quite actively engaging at the moment with recounting of election votes in Austria, the Italian referendum, not to mention the car crash coup of UK labor and peace attempt to oust Jeremy Corbyn by fair means and foul. Sometimes I wish you would look... Or could look a little outwards a little bit and comment more on the whole world seems to have gone a little crazy and not just the North
0: American part of it. Though. So, oh, okay. Let's answer right there. So yeah, okay. it sounds yeah. like maybe, hopefully, he's volunteering to be our correspondent. Multiple times now give the, us some
3: li- uh, links, by the
0: way. Multiple times on this show, we've asked to have somebody that could give us some audio that recaps what's going on or something so we can find somebody we can reliably work with that's well-informed that we can trust and build a relationship to inform the show because we're heads down on this stuff and we don't want to half-ass our coverage. Yeah. And so continuously... Especially after we got so burned by you guys. <laughs> I'm just saying with the Nigel, when we first covered Nigel Farage a year and a half or two years ago, whatever it was, and the beating we got from it, and then the, then to end up later on with the Brexit, that whole thing burned me really bad. And so my, my answer is I'd love to connect and work with somebody over there who is passionate, who is informed, uh, who wants to work long term with us to, in a way to co- maybe co- even collect clips and work with producer Matt to work them into the show and work with me, or even maybe to, you know, record a piece of audio or come on the show at a certain moment at time in the show from time to time and talk to us about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so that way we can have somebody who s- speaks the language that understands what's going on. And so that's why we don't have a lot of coverage, though, from time to time, we do try to dip in when things are really uh, kicking up. But, of course, we also would end up with a three hour show sometimes. Fair enough. Anything else? No. Oh, that's it, huh? Oh, OK. So, hey, right. if you guys want to be a part of Chase's sack, Yeah. If you yes. want to be a part of this, you want to get in that sack. If you you want to
3: get want in to, my uh, sack. Um, uh, get in the sack with me. Head on over to patreon.com <laughs> slash Unfilter, and uh, occasionally from time to time we will include those at five dollars or more per month. But yeah. hey, so right, at, so we're going to go back to thirty three just to keep it shorter next yes, week, right? Yes. Okay. So if you're because I missed level. out, I missed out. Uh, but yeah, if you are a thirty-three, a Club Thirty-three member, you get exclusive access to the uh, this part of the show. So uh, next week, I, I hope to hear from you guys supporting us at thirty-three. And if you, you know, if you love what we do, because we are listener-supported, support us today.
0: All righty. Thank you, everybody, at patreon.com slash unfilter. I I think we're going to spend a lot of the 2016 election stuff on Trump and the convention this week. But I do have one clip I wanted to play for you because I watched uh, Commie's – what's the matter, Chase? What is it, it, boy? Oh, okay. I watched watched, uh, Jim Commie's uh, testimony uh, where he kind of implied that they were investigating Hillary Clinton and maybe the Clinton Foundation. There was a moment where he said – they asked him, has she – as she lied under oath, and he said, not in any of our investigations, which kind of implied there was another, but you remember that moment when he said that? Yeah, that's right. So I've been looking for more info on that, and, uh, well, here's something I found, kind of a bit of a roundup of what's still going on with all of this. I said a bit of a roundup there. You know, look at that, look at that, that Fox News presenter who's trying to tell you what's going on. She's trying
3: to tell you the real story. The real story, story, Chase, yeah. The
18: FBI closing the book on Hillary Clinton's email investigation, but... She's not off the legal hook, not by a long shot, as she still faces potentially multiple investigations and lawsuits. The FBI is refusing to confirm or deny whether the bureau is now investigating corruption involving Secretary of State Clinton and the Clinton Family Foundation. The House Oversight Committee has officially asked the FBI to investigate whether Clinton lied to Congress under oath. The State Department's inspector general has reopened its investigation into Clinton's email system. And of course there are several private lawsuits seeking information, most notably lawsuits filed by judicial watch Chris Farrell is director of research and investigations at judicial watch joins us now live Chris uh I gotta ask you uh, you know of course last week uh the former secretary uh, I'll save you the trouble at the FBI. that was a huge hurdle <laughs> that's been closed what
0: he's about to say is uh, they're about to do a lawsuit well maybe I'll, I'll just give you a minute of, of it we'll see there.
18: Um, but there is still a lot that she's got to deal with potentially, uh, including possibly being forced to testify under oath in connection with the Judicial Watch lawsuit.
4: This one right here.
13: That's correct. On Monday, there'll be a hearing in front of Judge Emmett Sullivan here in the U.S. District Court. For the District of Columbia. And that-
0: so I'll keep an ear out for that and see if right. uh, anything develops of that. That's really all I, I found really continuing on with that. I haven't heard much word of any other actual investigations. Before we get into the convention, I want to yeah. talk a little bit about uh, the VP pick, because that happened since our last episode That's for right. Trump. Yeah. We're still waiting for the dog. Uh, and I want to do Trump things... Trump, Pence. TP. <laughs> yeah, TP. Uh, the TP. And I want to play the little bit of... I want to go through the process of how all of this unveiled, because it was really something. But to do it, we have to play a clip from today, which I think gives us the proper lens in which to view the rest of these clips.
24: Here's the news, and let me just be precise. This is what we've learned. This is according to uh, Governor Kasich's sources that in the search for Trump's vice president...
0: So the Kasich camp, has leaked this. Yeah, directly. I heard about this. Yes. Isn't this something? OK. Uh,
24: Trump's son, Don Jr., actually reached out to a senior aide on on the Kasich team to see if, if Governor Kasich would be interested, uh, apparently in the initial conversation.
0: Interested in being Trump's vice president. So Donald Jr. calls up the Kasich campaign, talks to his main guy and says, we want Kasich to be our VP. Not only that, but he says, we want him to be the most powerful
3: VP, VP in ever. history.
5: Yeah. Uh,
24: according to these sources, Don Jr. said that Kasich would be in, in full charge of uh, all domestic and foreign policy. And then if you read on according to the New York Times reporting and Alex Burns, I'm going to bring you in in a second from the Times, uh, apparently this aide uh, then asked back to you know Don Jr., well then what would Mr. Trump be in charge of? And the response was, well, he'd make America great again. Uh, and let me also <laughs> just catch...
0: So what would Donald, if I'm in charge of domestic in foreign policy, what's Trump in charge of? And he'd say, making America great again. That's his answer? Yeah,
24: all this by saying, you know, the Trump folks today saying this is absolutely, entirely False.
0: So it's entirely false. Now I suspect that who was going to be Trump's VP was actually a hell of a hunt. In fact, I have a I have a suspicion it was down to the last minute chase. You thought it was going to be Sarah, didn't you? Ha ha. So Rance Peebus, <laughs> Mr. Peebus here. Uh, yes, Peebus, is uh, he's the guy. He's he's the head of the RNC, and uh, he's. He's a, he is the Republican establishment, right? He's been working with the Trump campaign closely. Uh, he's, of course, uh, heading up the, the convention. He's having private parties smoking cigars. And b- the day before the convention, after uh, Trump's uh, VP pick had been announced, he sat down with uh, your buddy, your good, good friend, friend, Jake Tapper. Yeah. Some folks in our party like TPP. Some don't. And Jake asked him, don't you think it's weird that Trump's VP pick has a different stance on the TPP than Donald Trump does, yeah, isn't that kind of... the opposite. Yeah,
5: this is Rance's uh, uh, answer. The fact that we have two people together to have a different opinion on TPP is not, is not some sort of stunning, startling news. So the, the fact that we have two people together
0: uh, that have a different opinion is not startling news. I don't see why you think this is news, you right, say. Yeah. Now, the,
5: the overlaying all of this, Donald Trump's basic position on trade... Is that he wants to cut better deals. He wants to look at the deals that are in place. Everybody wants to position. do a better job. Everybody, everybody wants job. better deals. That's the best
0: response I've ever seen. in that. and and, and he's literally I think saying, you've actually said that on the show. Yes, of course. Yeah. And he's literally saying Trump's position, his plan is to make better deals. And Jake's saying, well, that's what everybody would want to do. Everybody yeah. wants to have better deals.
5: Right. And, and Donald Trump believes, and, and a lot of people believe, that if you're going to have someone on the other end of the negotiating table, he would be the guy to have on the other end of the negotiating table. His strength and his negotiating ability and his desire to do better... So he's making a pretty good case, right? ...is his most important position
0: on trade. So his desire to make things great is his most pos- important position. Right. You don't need to know his position because his position to make things great is his position.
5: And that's what he's always said. And. Again, I don't think it's a bad thing that we got two people that have different opinion on TV. So it's
7: not a big deal that the VP no picked. No big deal. Donald Trump said that he picked Mike Pence uh, because he wants to unify the party. By
5: the way, when you said your VP, I thought you were talking about Paul Ryan. When I said, th- "What?" This is the
7: RNC chair. Wait.
3: No,
7: what did he just did Wait. He just, no. No. VP, I thought you were talking about Paul Ryan when I said th- Pence uh, because he wants to unify the party.
5: By the way, when you said your VP, I thought you were talking about Paul Ryan when I said nah, not, not quite. So I, Is he stoned? Is he stoned, Chase? I don't think Ohio's a legal state. I, I wasn't sure you were talking about Pence. So. I, I, he,
7: he didn't know you. He, he, oh, well, I'm sorry. Okay, You need to get your mind in, into, no, the, no, no, into uh, the 2016 <laughs> no, nominee. No, 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 no. I know your it's heart's in my Wisconsin. Friend, my friend Paul, and that's what I thought
5: you were referring to. Well,
0: they- Is he stoned, Chase? He, I think he's stoned. I don't stoned.
3: think he's
5: stoned. I think he's just gone. Uh, the 2016 <laughs> nominee. No, 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 I know your heart's in Wisconsin. Friend, my friend, Paul, and that's what I thought you were referring to. Well, they- yeah, watch Jake's face here. At
7: the same position on TPP, uh, Mike Pence and Paul Ryan, they're both... Not, not 100% the same. Uh, um, I guess my question is this, <laughs> Donald Trump said... Isn't that
0: amazing? Wow. Yeah, really, so the, the VP pick has been, it's been a little rocky. It's been a little, it's been a little awkward, and uh, that awkwardness uh, definitely came out uh, in his first 60 Minutes interview together.
21: You said negative campaigning is wrong, and a campaign ought to demonstrate the basic decency of the candidate. Right. With that in mind... What do you think about uh, your running mate's campaign and the tone and the negativity of it?
0: Th- so he's made a statement saying that negativity matters in a campaign. I think this is a good
23: man who's been talking about the issues the American people care but about.
21: But name calling? my intent. In the
23: essay that I wrote a long time ago, yeah, I said campaigns ought to be about something more important than just one candidate's election. And... and do you think they offered him to be the most powerful
0: vice president in history? Oh, I bet you they offered him something.
23: This campaign and Donald Trump's candidacy has been about the issues the American people care about. They they see America in decline at home and abroad. They He's see it hasn't they been see negative. our porous borders and a Congress that's unable to balance its budgets or or uh, or deal with and end illegal immigration. That they want a leader. They want leadership in Washington D.C. that will solve problems and and strengthen our country. But well, what Leslie, about Leslie. the
21: negative side? He apologized for being a negative. We're different campaign.
17: people. I understand that. I'll give you an example. Hillary Clinton is a liar. Hillary Clinton. I was just that's, proven last week. That's Hillary negative. Hillary Clinton. By you better believe it. Hillary Clinton is a crook. That's negative. I call her Crooked Hillary. She's Crooked Hillary.
0: He won't. I don't I didn't He looks so uncomfortable right there. The oh. v- Mike does. Ask him to
17: do it. But I don't think he should do it because it's different for him.
0: It's good that he's establishment. Now that that's where the awkwardness begins. Now check out this awkwardness.
17: When the World Trade Center comes tumbling down with thousands of people being killed, people are still I have friends that are still well, we did suffering. go to war, if you remember, we went to Iraq. Yeah, you went to Iraq, but that was handled so badly and that was a war. By the way, that was a war that we shouldn't have done because Iraq did not knock down. Excuse Your me. Running mate.
0: This, is a, this is a major, that's a major position of Trump, right? Oh, Hillary yeah. made a mistake. She shouldn't have voted for the war in Iraq. I never voted for it. Also, notice how he jumps in with excuse me as soon as she starts coming back at him.
17: Iraq did not knock down. Excuse
21: Your running me. running mate. Iraq did voted not Voted for down.
0: it. I don't care. What do you mean you don't care? So, Mike, <laughs> voted for the yeah. war yeah, in he Iraq. voted for it. That's a little awkward for Trump because it's a huge part of Trump's campaign. Don't care.
21: What do you mean you don't care that he voted? It's a long time ago. And he voted (laughs) that way. Isn't that rich? Oh, my God.
17: Isn't that great? Wow.
21: It's a long time ago. That he voted. It's a long time ago.
17: And he voted that way, and, and he also already. misled, a lot of information was given to people, but I was you. against
21: it, the war in Iraq from the beginning. Yeah, but you've used that vote that of Hillary's, that was the same as Mr. Governor Pence, right. many people as have. Uh, the example of her bad judgment. You've many people many have, times. and frankly, I'm one of the few that was right on Iraq. Yeah, but what about he, okay? did? He's
17: entitled to make a mistake every once in a while, <laughs>
21: but she's not. Okay, come on. But she's not.
17: She's not. No, she's not. <laughs> okay. He's a jackass.
0: Wow. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful double sin? So the first interview, the first of them in public goes a little awkward. It goes a little, because there's a lot of awkwardness brought up. They don't really have much chemins, chemistry uh, but you know what? It's a good, sound, solid, safe pick for Trump. He's a governor. Yeah. He's got a good record. He's a traditional conservative. Well, He's going to play to
3: the base. Oh well, his record maybe is opposite of Trump in a few ways.
0: Yeah. Well, but for conservatives, it's a good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good conservative record. I mean. Um. So that I thought was that was interesting. But they have time to sort of clean that up to improve that. I I managed to watch just about damn near all the RNC except for what's going on right now as we record this show. And it was an interesting show. And I think this clip kind of puts into perspective why things were maybe a little different this year.
8: Funding the GOP convention in Cleveland hasn't exactly been easy. What do you always say, Chase?
2: Show me the money!
8: ABC's Chief
2: Investigative Correspondent Brian Ross on the Money Trail. Right! For us. Good morning, Brian. Well, good morning, Robin.
1: These political conventions cost big money, and they are also a place where big money is raised and big donors are rewarded. But for the first time in recent memory, the Republicans are having to deal with a lot fewer donors and a lot less money. It's costing more than $60 million just to put on the convention. From the opening fireworks to the 125,000 balloons overhead, sixty million dollars waiting to be dropped Why? on the last night. But even as the delegates were gathering, the Republican Party was scraping to come up with the cash to.
0: Yeah, you heard stories about Tim Cook and others yeah. that weren't going to back to back it. Yeah, and the, uh-
1: pay for it all with major corporations reportedly sitting it out or backing out.
17: Some gave reasons, some did not. Um, Some that gave uh, did talk about sort of the publicity around just this whole election process.
1: It's the Trump factor. Fewer CEOs, lobbyists, and billionaires arriving in their private jets. Big parties, half empty. Despite the best efforts of Cleveland's bartenders, and it's top chefs. This is the million-dollar ravioli. And at the big event last night for Republican senators at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, this closed the press. More than a third—nineteen of the senators—never even made it to Cleveland for the convention. Senator Brian Ross, from ABC. Where are all the yeah. missing Republican senators? Nineteen didn't show up. Well, I think the most important ones are right here tonight. So but thank you. Well, how about I'm the glad others you're here? And even when top Republicans do show up, as at this raucous party, sponsored by two billionaire donors and some political consultants, the name Trump is barely mentioned.
5: I just want to say thank you.
1: There's Republican Party chairman Reince Priebus mentioned binary his candidate's choice. name only once it's in his welcoming choice. remarks. Outside over cigars and cocktails, on a smoke-filled patio, Republicans prepared for a convention and an election unlike any they had seen before.
0: So let's get into this convention, uh, which I would say there was some... God, the cigars is so bad. There was some muted enthusiasm around some of it. Do you know the imaging that gives, by the way? Yeah, I know. I mean, honestly. I
3: mean, the fat cat smoking cigars. And
0: that's why they included the shot. I I think that's... Absolutely, why they? I know that's the show. So, I,
3: that's why I wanted to mention it. Wow.
0: So I thought this was really something. Uh, the convention really had a, it, day one had a make America safe again was right. the theme, yeah. and make uh, that was and Benghazi Rudy, uh, Giuliani, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Also uh, the uh, the mom the mother of Benghazi was one there. Of the
22: interesting things uh, when Pat Smith was speaking. Pat Smith, did you know that
5: Donald Trump was going to call in to Fox News?
0: And while Pat Smith is up there talking about. Her son's death in Benghazi Donald Trump called in To Bill O'Reilly's show To compete for ratings Oh my gosh He's crazy I love it And this by the way I want, This is Trump's campaign manager This man right here yeah. on the right yeah. I want you to understand by watching him The enthusiasm that uh, the Republican base has for Trump
22: And
8: do an interview during her comments I've never heard of that before
26: uh, I did not know that No <laughs>
8: <laughs> what do you think of that move?
26: Uh, Mr. Trump felt it was important to do, and so he did it. <laughs> I mean, he was moved by <laughs> her what, speech What's your too. take on uh, that? I mean, you... He, he Get, was moved give by more, too. I mean, Last night was a very emotional night. And but frankly, how was he Chris, moved we by it when
0: preaching.
27: he was on TV at
26: the same time?
22: It's she... a
0: very emotional night. How's he moved on it if he's on TV when he's calling in? It's a
22: good, legit question. He moved we by it when preaching. he was on TV at the same time she was giving it.
26: Because he had the TV on and he was watching it, and uh, you know we were not preaching just to the converted last night. We, were... you know, the thing is, uh, wow.
0: some had super low, have super low energy about Trump, and others like Christie and Giuliani have super high energy. Here's kind of a recap of all of it.
6: And bright stars through the
28: fight.
0: You gotta open it up, of course, with some singing.
2: America is the light. Navy and SEAL. people are the goodness that grows from that. She'll always be worth fighting for, and it was my greatest honor to fight for her every day of my adult life, all right? Blue lives
29: matter.
0: David America. Clark. Blue lives matter. A common line.
30: God bless our next president, Donald Trump, and God bless the United States
1: of America.
30: Hillary Clinton has failed
20: to protect our national security In other ways,
0: and other ways, she says. Now I don't know if I can play the audio because it's going to get us pulled down. But we could the imagery. Do you want to discuss the imagery of Donald Trump emerging? So, so first off,
3: <laughs> they have him in a silhouette. Yeah, and then the podium comes out yeah. of the
11: shadows.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I, and then he says he comes out and says, "We're going to win big. Woman. We're going to win huge." Melania Trump. And then Thank he introduces his wife. Head.
15: Be good times and hard times and unexpected turns. It would not be a Trump contest without excitement and drama. Yeah. Donald J. Trump is ready to serve and lead this country as the next president of the United States. He
3: will and then not give you CNN
0: up. And then, of course, it broke like crazy that there may be some plagiarism involved in that speech. The controversy over Melania Trump's speech focuses on several lines that
20: echo what the First Lady said in Denver nearly eight years ago. One newspaper put the Trumps on page one with this headline, Thanks, Mrs. Obama. (laughs) Juliana (laughs) Goldman is here with a look at both speeches, word for word. Juliana, good morning.
31: Good morning. Well, last night, Melania Trump delivered a 14-minute primetime speech.
0: You know, it's interesting. They're they're focusing on Melania, but there was actually two other speakers, uh, I believe, just from my what I watched, and I might I might have this wrong, but I believe there was two other speakers that night that used lines from Obama. So she wasn't she wasn't the first, and then the second night it happened too. Wait,
3: blurred lines? Wasn't that the song by Robin Thicke and Pharrell that did the whole yeah. plagiarism? Yeah.
31: Making the case for her husband to rise to the nation's highest elected office. Trump says she wrote the speech herself, but now the Trump campaign acknowledges she had some help. The question is, what kind of help?
0: Yeah, what's super embarrassing about this is they did an interview beforehand and uh, where she says she wrote the whole thing herself, she didn't need to read it.
31: Last night, Melania Trump's story about growing up in Slovenia showed similarities to Michelle Obama's 2008 tale.
15: From a young age... My parents impressed on me the values, that you work hard for what you want in life. Barack and I were raised with so many of the same values. Like, you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond, and you do what you say and keep your promise. That your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going
31: to do. Their language on values overlapped.
15: That you treat people with respect. That you treat people with
31: dignity and respect. At least 58 words appeared to be lifted. The similarities in stereo.
15: Because we want want our our children children in this nation to know that the only only limit to the height of your achievements is the strength of of your dreams dreams and your willingness willingness to work hard for them. them.
0: Wow. Uh, That is without a doubt intentional. Now, to be fair...
3: To be fair and balanced here on the show. I mean, this kind of stuff has been happening previous to this. I mean, Obama lifted some lines. That's in previous-
0: totally different, though. This is just to- totally different. This is direct from the previous first lady uh, candidate. This is... This is this but is. But she wrote it herself, Chris. How is that even possible?
31: Then cable news swooped in.
17: What I wonder is how could anybody be so fundamentally stupid <laughs> yeah. as to believe that you can give a speech like this and no one would
30: know. Yeah, the they're, they're not closer. They're unbelievable.
11: I, I would have been fired for this. There's no question about that.
31: Donald and Melania Trump talked with NBC News last night in the lead up to her speech.
14: Has she gone over the speech with you? Did you practice it on the plane?
15: I read once over it. And that's all because I wrote it and with a little help as possible.
31: While the Trump campaign called Melania's speech a success.
0: Yikes. Uh, And so, okay. that had to, that had to be intentional, and I, I you know what, Chase? Because I didn't want to get pulled down. You knew, you know, I wasn't going to play this. You know, I said I wouldn't do it. Oh, but no. I, I think I feel like it actually adds to my case. Uh, I don't know if I. Oh, maybe I don't have it anymore. I might have dumped it. But I feel like that when you put lines like that in a speech, that has to be intentional. Oh yeah, no, it
3: totally is. It totally is. I mean, when I when I heard the comparison and. I started thinking to myself, are they intentional? I mean, what's going
0: on here? Right. Are they intentionally trying to do this, like to make fun of this? And yeah, here it is. Here's a, here it is. This is so they have her oh, taking yeah. Michelle's lines. Yeah. And then, and again, these speechwriters, this is what they're paid to do.
15: He will never, ever give up. And most importantly, he will never, ever let you down.
0: Now, there's no way that was accidental never gonna give you up never ever gonna let you down the exact phrasing never gonna give you up never ever gonna let you down never gonna <laughs> i just i i suspect it's sabotage it feels it feels like sabotage
3: but she went over the speech what she wouldn't
0: realize that like no one would read this no one would proof this nobody well why would they know oh jeez why would they know why would they know uh here here's another here's more coverage of it. This is we we, we had played a
2: remarkable this. So Look at the reaction
0: happened you might say.
2: Um this started on social media, people on Twitter first started circulating uh sort of eyebrow raising claims about Melania's speech. Melania. It
0: just people started realizing it almost immediately changed. You're like something's wrong it here. It was obvious. It yeah. stood out. It's so weird uh that he that they did that. Also a part of Donald Jr's uh speech that played recently was also plagiarized. So, um uh, b- but uh, not. But the speechwriter, it was self-plagiarization because the speech it was from a speechwriter's book that he had written himself. So it's not exactly, fair enough. It's yeah, it's not exactly as. Bad. I mean, so if it's intentional,
3: so you're saying sabotage? Is that your your official thing? Is that what you? It, think it, it, is?
0: it, it almost seems like it almost seems like somebody's trying to. I, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to think of what else it could be. I mean, what do you? I just I guess I try to I had a clip where uh, they talk about uh, the process of these speech writing. Uh, some people, like Andrea Mitchell, says it's uh, it's at least if nothing else, it's poor staff work. Uh, there's a here's a clip. Of-
20: Washington Post editorial columnist Michael Gerson was a speechwriter for President George W. Bush. Anita McBride served as chief of staff for First Lady Laura Bush. Both joining me now. Well, it, you would think that at a Republican convention, if you're going to steal a speech, you'd steal it from a Republican. I'm sure that Laura Bush and I know Nancy Reagan and other Republican first ladies had some great speeches they could have taken paragraphs from. Michael, let me first ask you. You are a speechwriter. How does this happen?
8: Well, it happens with poor staff work. It's hard to attribute
2: that, in my view, to Mrs. Trump.
20: No, I would say right right off the bat, the principals get a lot of help. Everyone except perhaps Barack Obama, who is the best speechwriting president we've
0: had. here's 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 why I think it's sabotage. Uh, Well, you know what? I'll play this clip because
13: they
30: say speech. This turns this night into a catastrophe. Uh, This is a uh, plagiarized speech, hands down, game set, match on that. What an outrageous disservice to Melania Trump by the speechwriters on that on that campaign. Um, Nicole Wallace talked earlier today about the fact that the Trump campaign, such as it is, is not configured like a normal political campaign, and maybe you don't need to be configured like a normal campaign. We know uh, tonight, as you watch the incongruity between the speeches, the lack of a theme, the lack of a connection, the day starting off with the targeting and attacking the Ohio governor, right through the end of the program, you know, Hamilton on Broadway is a great show. It's a great production. No one leaves it early. Tonight, in the middle of a show, and be clear, this is a show... A lot of people left it early.
13: Yeah.
0: yeah, and the ratings aren't doing as good as expected either. But here's where I think they're going with this thesis is they sabotaged her introduction to the American people. They, they wounded her as a valuable, valuable, legitimate participant in the campaign. Oh, I see. They so didn't like take she's her down. A, she's
3: a weak first lady, she, a potential they've, first they've lady. They've knocked her down now. Right. Like
0: she yeah. was going to be the best D- Human, she was going to humanize him. She was the best defense against the fact that he, uh, the, you know, oh they God, say he hates such women. Such a good point,
3: man. Yeah.
0: So they, I, I thought about that, and I'm thinking, yeah, they've, they've tore her up. They made her look stupid. Yeah. They made her look stupid in front of everybody, in front of you know millions and millions of viewers on the oh. stage of the RNC convention. But who? The speechwriters did. So, so his speechwriters. I don't know. I, watching the RNC convention, I can tell you there are people Uh, there that barely want to be there. Uh, Paul Ryan stopped by, and uh, he had uh, a very awkward, he gave a very awkward endorsement, like he's like, uh, basically, let's just keep going, everybody just stick with it, Um, uh, and... He even doesn't even like he doesn't even do the traditional like and God bless the United States. You'll see if I can find it real quick. I don't know if I have anymore. I don't think I do because I decided not to play it. Yeah, but Paul Ryan is essentially he goes up there's like yeah we're doing great. He mentions Donald Trump's name once. Yeah, Paul Ryan mentions it once. Is it was very strange. The whole thing was very odd. And so I I, I feel like there's part of the party who isn't on board with him oh totally
3: well yeah that's that's an obvious thing especially when you have the uh, a couple states i think it was alaska that wanted to have a a roll call vote uh yesterday or it was monday maybe uh but yeah there there's definitely some friction and obviously the pick with pence was trying to help unite that divide but still it is it is a crazy it's the craziest convention
23: i've ever covered there was a bit of
0: excitement do you want to talk about that real quick there was a moment of
23: excitement Not long after the gavel came down, the hammer fell on anti-Trump forces trying to change the rules here. The party establishment ended the effort to prevent a Trump nomination on the first ballot. It was chaotic for a time. Some delegates shouted words to the podium that we can't use on TV. So tomorrow night, this convention is expected to name Donald J. Trump of New York businessman and television personality <laughs> the Republican candidate for president of the United States. But he's not waiting for that. Trump will address the delegates tonight, three days before his acceptance speech. Major Garrett leads us off tonight with what may be the end of the Republican Stop Trump Movement.
5: This convention will come to order. Order swiftly turned to disorder on the convention floor.
20: Mr. Chairman, these rules will provide a strong governing framework for our convention and our party.
25: Delegates hostile to Donald Trump tried to change convention rules written to smooth his path to the nomination. The anti-Trump forces wanted a roll call vote, a delaying tactic designed to demonstrate anti-Trump sentiment. What? and then they turn off his mic. Utah Senator Mike Lee, a Ted Cruz supporter, was outraged.
23: We just want a roll call vote. That's all we want. I have
11: no
25: idea what's going on right now. This is surreal. I mean, the um, the chair walked off the stage. Order was restored and the convention moved forward. Trump's campaign chairman, Paul Manafort. It wasn't about Trump. So, if, so I guess it you could about, t- It was about trying to stop Trump. No, it wasn't at all. This was no. all party rules that have nothing yeah. to do with this election. But there was more drama outside where hundreds took to the streets to protest the candidate. Ben Markey, a Trump delegate from Maryland, called the anti-Trump forces a distraction and part of the GOP's past. Because
22: they're trying to create discord, disunity here in what otherwise is a very unified party, very unified campaign. Who would have thought three months ago, four months ago, that you would see this right now uh, for
25: Donald Trump? And Mark Levine, a Rubio supporter from Illinois, said Trump was far from his first choice, but should be the nominee without any backlash from anti-Trump forces.
30: He got, he got more votes than any Republican candidate in history in their primaries. He, The Republican voters
25: want him, so that's, that's it. I mean, let's not screw around with rules and things like that. <laughs> he's, he's our nominee. This rules battle gave forces opposed to Trump just about 15 minutes of political fame. Scott Trump will try to personally refocus attention tonight on this convention by coming here to see third wife Melania give a speech about...
0: Nice how they dropped that in there, huh? Third wife.
25: About the Donald Trump she knows, a softer note amid a night devoted to security in a climate of international and cool. domestic cool. terror. Who we'll introduces Introduce- somebody's
0: Donald. wife as third wife? The establishment hates him, dude. They Jeez. hate him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking of the establishment, I would say that uh, probably Paul Ryan was the biggest legit name there. I mean, Giuliani spoke, right. uh, Carson spoke, uh, Christie spoke, they, and they all they were probably some of the better speakers. I actually, you know, in my opinion, watching it, I think the best speaker was uh, Trump's son and Trump's daughter. I think they both did I think there were some of the best speakers there. Paul Ryan though was the biggest um you know sort of establishment name and uh he I just I felt like his heart was just not in it.
12: Well, we have begun here. Let's see this thing through.
0: You know, let's you know, let's stick with this. Yeah, let's, let's go you guys. Let's see this thing We can do it. Let's he literally just said, "Let's see this thing through."
12: See this thing through. Let's win this thing. Let's show America our best and nothing less. Thank you, thank you, and God bless...
0: America, God bless who? God, God bless Trump? God bless America? See, a lot of people had been saying that night, God bless America, and God bless the future president of the United States, Donald Trump. And he, he's the guy that didn't. And he he said it, he's, it's awkward. God bless. Thank you,
12: thank you, and God
14: bless...
0: You.
12: That's... <laughs>
14: That's awkward, right?
0: That is weird. It was, and I, am I'm, tr- I'm seriously trying to figure out where Paul Ryan's head is at, and what if he's really into this? I do. Can I show you? I have a lot. There's a lot in there. Can I show you my favorite speaker? Yes. Okay. You can. Thank you. I'll just do this one. Uh, this is my. Uh, this is my favorite speaker.
9: What's up, GOP? <laughs> Good evening, everyone. My name is Dana White. I am the
13: president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship.
0: Yeah, uh, and before him, they had a professional golfer uh, on stage, and then before him, they had a guy from Brooklyn who does exteriors.
9: Thank you. I'm sure most of you are wondering, what are you doing here?
0: Yeah,
13: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah.
9: I am
13: not a politician. I am a fight promoter. But I was blown away.
9: And honored to be invited here tonight.
0: Yeah, you should have been. <laughs> yeah, you really should have been. So the convention was really something because you didn't have big names come out. You didn't have your bushes there. Wait, he's there, so we can do a UFC like two hundred five
3: yeah, Hillary yeah. versus Trump in the octagon. He goes it's
0: on great. He gives a real he gives a real uh, passionate speech for Trump because Trump loves uh, the ultimate fight. Oh yeah, he loves it. So that's really my uh, my review of the RNC was Uh, I've I've uh, I've never quite seen politics like this. There were moments that were exceedingly hard to watch because what they're able to do with Obama being in office for the last eight years is they can go full barrel against every mistake. And quite literally, they used every single coffin as a soapbox to attack Obama. They brought out moms. They brought out soldiers. They mentioned Benghazi ten billion times. Sure, they linked so many things to Hillary Clinton. It's you know, it's it's really stunning. It was politics at a level I've never seen. And now, now I just I have no idea what to expect for the DNC because this was really something. And I can only imagine what the DNC is going to be like. Hell of a show, hell of a show. I mean, and it's not even over. No. There, we're going to have some more clips
3: for next week's show for sure. I mean, it's <sighs> this political season, Chris. Like nothing else, nothing else ever in my in our lives. This is this is a big defining moment. You know, I was I was hanging out with wife yesterday, and I was thinking about this. I was just thinking, what if, what if this is? And I know this is just stupid, and this is me being stupid. But what if this is just some computer simulation, right? Like Elon Elon Musk, you know, like you saying that we're in some computer simulation, right? And the people that really believe behind Trump. I I don't know. <laughs> it's just like what is going on. I mean, yesterday when Trump came out and had his big intro, I posted that, and I'm like, this is not a parody. This is real
0: life. I I just this is what is going on. The man knows how to. Uh, what is going? The man on? knows how to get attention. That's for sure. Uh, and he's resonating with people. I worry what, – what does worry me is, is how I, – I am concerned how the establishment seems to come in and sort of be controlling his campaign. And now that the Kasich group decided to leak <laughs> the fact that they offered Kasich to be the most powerful VP in history and Kasich declined – I am I am super concerned what that does mean once Trump gets in office because if Trump's responsibilities are make America great again so, that sounds wait, like a wait, spokesperson wait, Breaking
3: News Chris are you saying are you saying that tr- when Trump gets in office are you saying here on the show that you are changing your red book prediction
0: that Hillary will not become president No dude all right. I'm just saying it gives me pause that's all <laughs>
3: Pause. Uh, Get get
0: it? Yeah, I do. So last week I just sort of tossed out there like a jerk that uh, if we could get uh, marijuana rescheduled in the United States, we could do more research because we have not been able to do proper research. Well, they put that on the Democratic platform now, right? Legalization of marijuana. And one of the things I tossed to is I said, look at what they have done in Israel, where they have had 30 years of research that have really shown it could be amazing. And I just kind of said it as an offhand thing and we moved on. So today I want to double back on that statement and – I want to cover the man who's been researching cannabis in Israel for 30 years. He's specifically been doing research around CBDs, and we'll talk a little bit about why THC and CBDs actually might have some sort of health benefits, why they seem to be helping cancer patients, why they seem to help people that have epilepsy, and how it actually interacts with your brain's nervous system. So we're going to give you a little bit of an education on that, and then –
27: where uh, things are looking in the research department down the road. The first annual personalized cannabinoid medicine conference at Harvard Medical School in April. An unprecedented meeting of the minds in the world of medical marijuana. For almost 30 years, nothing happened. And the father of marijuana research was here to receive a Lifetime Achievement Award. Raphael Meshulam is an Israeli chemist who became interested in cannabis when he began his scientific career.
16: I was kind of surprised to find out that the chemistry of cannabis, an important drug, in my view, uh, was not well known. As a matter of fact, we didn't know at that time, I'm speaking of the early 60s, that active
27: compounds had not been isolated in pure form. In 1963, he identified the structure of cannabidiol, CBD, one of the most medically important compounds found in cannabis. And in 1964, he isolated the active component of marijuana, tetrahydrocannabinol, THC.
16: I thought that uh, as soon as we know the chemistry and the pharmacology and then the toxicity, and if there are any positive effects, companies will go in.
0: He thought it'd go gangbusters after he po- – he's like, I found these positive effects. I thought oh, it would no, go Oh, no, we nuts. just shut
3: it down because it's going to make us lose a lot yeah. of money.
0: The, uh, there is a clip that gets into like some of the paranoia around that. But I yeah. wanted to skip that because you all know about um, <clears throat> you know the uh, all the crap in, the, in yeah. the past. And, of course, what was the uh, old um, propaganda film that they made back in the day? Oh, reefer Madness. Yeah. Reefer Madness. They yes. talk a little bit about Reefer Madness in there. But I wanted to actually cover the science of why it appears that pot may help people that have many ills and what it is about it that sort of makes it work so well in the body and why it might be legitimately
27: a solid medical tool. Still, Dr. Mashulam pressed on, gradually writing the scientific textbook on marijuana. But for years, he did not fully understand how and why cannabis works in our bodies. And then in the early 90s, he had a eureka moment. THC mimics compounds which we make,
16: called endogenous cannabinoids, which our brain makes, our body makes. THC mimics their effect. All this is uh, called the endocannabinoid system. And this endocannabinoid system seems to be extremely important.
27: Here's how endocannabinoids work in our nervous system. The nerves that form the electrical grid of our body are not continuous strands of fiber. Instead, there are many gaps in the wiring. The nerve ends are called neurons. The gaps, synapses. The electrical current is transmitted from neuron to neuron across synapses by chemical messengers called neurotransmitters. The volume and route of these signals determines what we are thinking, what we perceive, and what we feel. Our body generates cannabinoids to help regulate the flow of these neurotransmitters. So we generate our own cannabinoids, which is just fascinating. Scientists suspect the active ingredient in cannabis, THC, can either increase or decrease the flow of the neurotransmitters. Perhaps that's indica and sativa. And this can have all kinds of impacts on our physical state of being.
16: The endocannabinoid system is involved in essentially all human diseases. Sorry, I, I read the chat
3: room. <laughs> what? What? Can confirm. Just moved.
27: <laughs> we have a we have a we have a report we from the chat room. Breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Physical state of being.
16: The endocannabinoid system is involved in
27: essentially all human diseases. Different endocannabinoid receptors are found in non-nerve cells in the immune system, for example. So perhaps it is no surprise that researchers suspect cannabis can do so many things, from fighting cancer to concussions to Crohn's disease. They talk also about
0: epilepsy a lot in the report and uh, cover a really interesting story. But I wanted to focus for a moment on why it becoming legal in the U.S., recreational and medically, and maybe getting rescheduled, could have repercussions for the entire world as far as research goes.
18: If it can't happen in the U.S.,
21: then we're going to make it happen globally.
27: But Dr. Mashulam believes the pace of research will increase dramatically if prohibition in the U.S. is lifted.
16: People express themselves and say, we want this to be done. It can be done. It is complicated. It will cost money. It will take time.
27: But it can be done. During his visit to Boston, Rafael Mashulam visited Nida's remarkable dispensary. The father of marijuana research spent a career trying to make this moment... This place Possible
0: That's where they say Right there at the end Wow
27: There you go Interesting enough huh? And that was on PBS Nonetheless And then
0: of course A couple weeks ago They covered another story They've been talking about it A lot on PBS oh, and we,
3: we see it all the time On mainstream media as well I mean remember last week We played the clip From Family Feud So <laughs>
0: That's evidence right there There you go uh, Sean PC says Don't forget it's going Legal in Canada next year What? Alan well Jude. that's right
3: that, You know, That's uh, thanks to uh, Justin Trudeau Trudeau huh yeah.
0: hmm, You know what about you know, when you say Trudeau, I say I just can't. You say Trudeau, I say I just can't. Because uh, the gal that says I just can't on our soundboard is... Uh, her last name is Trudeau. Oh, fair enough. You know that? I did not know Do Did you this. know we have a... Yeah, I can play it for you. Okay. Chase, where yeah. can people find you next week? Well, I just can't. Well, people can find me this week and next week at my twitter no you are supposed to say they'd find me at Wednesday at jblive. You were, that was a chance to plug the live show they'll find me next week here on this show there you go right jblive.tv and jubiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for their local time <laughs> but if they just can't wait where could they find you throughout the week uh they can email me no i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah go my you my twitter know, at my po box
3: twelve twenty five. no uh at nunes n-u-n-e-s on the twitter i'd love to engage in the community so if you're on twitter and you tweet at me guess what i will tweet back at you
13: that's how we go uh, th- 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 that's how we roll do you tweet
0: at chris l-a-s in fact nice. i did a little tease about this show and when we had to move from tuesday back to wednesday i had a little tweeting about that of course the calendar we try to keep updated all the time too can i drop a tease real quick sure man some
3: Uh, Noah and I are...
0: are T's working.
3: Don't don't say too much. I'm not going to say too much, but we're working on something. Yeah, I know. And this something that we're working on, we might need to hijack a stream next week to (laughs) do some live brainstorming (laughs) with the audience. So if you're a part of the JB community... Ooh... Be on the lookout next week. You there might you see me here in the studio talking with Noah about something special coming up.
0: How? Also, don't forget that subreddit, unfiltered.reddit.com. We have the overtime coming up, brought to our patrons at patreon.com unfilter That wraps up the main show for this week. Thanks for your support over there at the Patreon page, and we hope to see you right back here next, next week. week. out it's so much overtime we should call it double overtime but that's a dumb name because it doesn't make any sense it's 196 overtime brought to you by patreon.com slash unfiltered let's get into even more show special thank you goes out to stingroar james philip Socks and Friends, and I'm a pariah, our new patrons since our last episode of The Unfiltered Show. Thanks, you guys. This is dedicated to you.
32: That's how we, that's how we roll. All
0: right, so we had so much to get into. I want to start with uh, the one story we're not talking much about, and that's Zika and the Olympics. So this clip will kind of bring some of you up to date if you're wondering what's going on over there.
23: 17 days before the Olympics, and the World Anti-Doping Agency wants Russia banned. But the International Olympic Committee needs convincing. Here's Mark Phillips.
26: Russian athletes have continued training, but the hurdles they'll have to overcome to get to Rio will be a lot higher than these. A day after an inquiry found the Russians had operated a state-sanctioned doping scheme at the Sochi Olympics, the IOC was still not taking the leap to a full Russian team ban from the Rio Games to add to the track team ban already in effect. IOC President Thomas Bach.
16: The IOC does not hesitate uh, to take uh, all the measures and the toughest uh, Uh. sanctions uh, against uh, this uh, behavior.
26: But the IOC is hesitating, saying it has to wait for a court ruling later this week on an appeal by pole vault star Yelena Isinbayeva, among others, to get the track and field ban overturned. That shouldn't make a difference, says U.S. anti-doping chief Travis Tigert.
22: No state or sports system should ever attempt to do this again, and I think that means you have to exclude the Russian delegation from the Olympic Games.
26: What the Russians did was cheat by using Cold War-style spycraft to compromise the Olympic drug testing system. Right next door to the lab where the athletes' urine samples were tested, the FSB, the old KGB, moved in. (laughs) A hole was drilled through the wall. Samples from the Russian (laughs) athletes that had tested positive for drugs were slipped out and replaced with clean samples that were slipped in. Which is why the lawyers... So just to be clear, a hole in the wall is Cold War style. ...are now involved. In the meantime, the IOC says it will retest the samples of all the Russian athletes who are in Sochi. But the biggest sanction, Scott, the ban from Rio, it's not ready to do that yet.
0: No. No, it's not. Uh, isn't that interesting, though? I mean, a lot of crap about that. A lot of crap been going down for days. Finally covered it. So this next clip is a bit long, but there was, uh, 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 oh, I can't even describe it, you guys. Do you hear my, do you hear my searching for words there? Uh, that was my brain literally searching its brain decks for words that could describe how batshit crazy the media was this week. I, I I don't have words. I don't. I I don't have words. I need the words and I don't have them, you guys. It was, I got a couple of clips to play for you. It was... It was nuts. I just can't. So this first one is really a
9: doozy. This is Don Lemon and Sheriff David Clark getting into it. Our breaking news tonight, three officers dead, three wounded in Baton Rouge. A really tough day for Baton Rouge and for the country, really. Here to talk about how to keep our police safe is Sheriff David Clark of Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. He is going to be speaking at the Republican Convention tomorrow night. Sheriff, thank you uh, very much for that. He sure did. Horrific day. I spoke to uh, the heads of the sheriff department, the police department, and uh, the state police down there, and they told us how their hearts were reeling. Their message is peace and coming together in the country. What's your message?
0: Even the way they sit is is awkward. The way they're sitting is awkward, just the way that they have to set it up for camera shots, and it immediately falls apart. The the interview is already off the rails within the first question.
29: (laughs) You don't believe that for one minute, do you?
9: That their message is? Yeah. That's what they said to me. Okay. Yeah, believe them. Any protests over
29: the deaths of these cops today in Baton Rouge? I don't know that. I don't know that. Any riots or protests over the uh, uh, police officers in Dallas, Texas?
9: What are you asking? It's a pretty simple question. I asked you if what's your message to the people? Their message is one of peace. What is your message?
29: My (laughs) message has been clear from day one, two years ago. This anti-cop sentiment from this hateful ideology called Black Lives Matter has fueled this rage against the American police officer. And he's allowed to say this because, you know, he's black, apparently. So he can say this. I predicted this two years ago. So you, what I want to know. I know, sure. know okay, sure.
0: So what does that matter? We don't know who you are until today. This is the first time we know you.
9: Do I want to know? With all due respect, do you know that this was... Because of that? do we Yes, that I as do. As a law enforcement officer? I've been watching this
29: for two years. I predicted this. Okay. This anti-police... I predicted this isn't really an answer, though. Rhetoric sweeping the country... Rhetoric. ...has turned out some hateful things inside of people that are now playing themselves out on the American police officer. I want to know, with all of the black-on-black violence in the United States of America, by the way, when the tragedies happen in louisiana and minnesota Do you know that 21 black people were murdered across the united states well, the, well, there was, was flag, there any reporting there was on a that? black
9: officer who was killed today but let, let's was let's, there any reporting on Sheriff, that? please let's just keep let's just keep the volume down here so i understand and i and listen i don't i'm, just, I'm just, looking I don't at disagree. three dead cops oh, this week Sheriff, Sheriff, and i'm you look you looking just, at five last year you trying to tell me to you keep just
29: it down please
0: so don lemon's taking an interesting tack. he seems to don lemon seems to be keeping a pretty cool head just please
9: we can keep it civil so, because the message to people at home, I'm sure you want, is one of civility. I wish, Don, well, I talk, wish I would you would had that message of civility toward this hateful
29: ideology, these if, purveyors of don't hate. don't know what my message is. That's what what I want to say to you
9: is, these if
29: people let me preach vile and in virtue we'll be right in the back. name We're of gonna go to break hate. So
0: then Don goes to break. And what you're supposed to do, right, when he does that, he's uh, back in the booth, is you're supposed to cut his mic. You're supposed to cut the mic. And we'll be right back.
9: Are you going to let me talk? Need- <laughs> Back now live with Sheriff David Clark. Cut out the
0: commercials for you. How much do you love me? To be honest with you, I actually captured this from, from YouTube. So they cut out the commercials for you.
9: But isn't that nice? Uh, of uh, Milwaukee County, Wisconsin. And we're here live in Cleveland. Uh, you're set to speak tomorrow night. And again, all I want to do is have a conversation. I can't have a conversation with you if we're both talking at the same time. What it sounds like to me is that you're accusing me of violence and supporting something, a narrative that I'm not necessarily in support of, and if you're, if that's what you're accusing me of violence, then you can leave. That's not true. I don't support violence of any type against police officers, against anyone. So if you're accusing me of that, then you're welcome to leave. But if you want to have a conversation, I am more than willing to welcome a conversation with you. I okay, okay, that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. And you think, okay, maybe Don's got this back on track now. Don't disagree with you about there is a narrative across the country that could be harming uh, police officers, but we don't know right now as in someone who's in law enforcement, Uh-oh. if that was the actual cause, that so let
29: me ask you this: Do we know that the, that generally the American law enforcement officers are racist? Do we know this?
9: Go on. I asked a (laughs) question. Do I know if American general law enforcement are racist? I don't think anyone is accusing. If you're you're insinuating that people are accusing or saying that law enforcement across this country as a whole are racist, then your assumption is wrong. First of all, this whole
29: anti-police rhetoric is based on a lie. There is no data, and you know this. There is no data, there is no research that proves any
9: of that nonsense. None. Even it, you'd have to be more specific about what, what nonsense. data and what nonsense. <laughs> yes, was. exactly. That law enforcement
29: officers treat black males different than what? white males in policing in these urban there areas. Is data that's there, is there is data. There is not data.
9: There is. Uh, no, the the president no, the president spoke about it. Cedric Alexander, the who is the president has been officer. lying
29: about it. He said it again okay. the other day when he said black males are. Two times more likely to be shot by a law enforcement officer than white male. Don, that is a lie. That is not a lie. It the is re- a lie. Yeah. Show the me
9: research. Show that, me the research Show that, it we to me have, with, that we have from the Washington Post. That that the Washington Post study, debunked that re- nonsense. There's also research. He also said sheriff, this time. There's also research. He continues. From a Harvard professor that also showed that black people. ...are treated more aggressively by police officers... No, you are wrong people. in your interpretation of that Harvard
29: study, because
0: I... You know, I'm, I'm willing to accept that, uh, that the media skews statistics and the politicians skew statistics, too. So I'm willing to accept that. But per- my personal experience from, from conversations I've had would seem to suggest otherwise.
29: I read the study. That's not what he said. He that said he was surprised to find... He was
9: surprised to find that in shootings... of the the most severe in shootings that he found no evidence that there was a difference. Also, it should be noted that that study was a very small sampling of police departments across the country. Many people did not find it credible, but it is also interesting that in that research, he found that blacks were treated differently when it came to aggressive policing, but for the most egregious shootings, he found no difference. That's what that study showed. Well,
29: based on what, just generally? are we talking about high crime areas are we talking about, about police officers being under country. attack because let's go back to where this whole thing started in Ferguson Missouri sheriff, the sheriff, lie was I'll hands do respect, up you're don't shoot lumping
9: a whole bunch of things into one if okay. we can do one specific that's thing that's where and this whole it, phony movement we'll started it. it started out as hands you're up don't shoot we're talking about you. black lives matter right okay so if you if you want to if you you would need to speak to someone who is a member of black lives matter about whether they are, have perpetrated a fraud on the American people. That's up to Black Lives Matter. That's not me. I'm neither a member of Black Lives Matter, I'm either a supporter or someone who doesn't yeah. support them. I simply report on Black Lives <laughs> Matter. I like Lives. this are guy. Yeah, yeah. condemn the
29: anti-police rhetoric coming from this hateful ideology?
9: As a journalist sitting here on television, I don't have to condemn anyone, that, anything. That is something that well, you should I do. ask. That's a nice shield. Well, Other people around the country, it's their them jobs them to condemn Just
29: that, like I condemn the hateful ideology that. out of groups like the KKK, all right? I condemn it. There is no place in American discourse for that sort of vile, vitriolic hate coming out of this ideology. This has fueled and fanned the flames of this anger toward the American police officer. There's only one group in America one, Don, that truly cares about the lives of black people in these urban ghettos. And it's the American police officer who goes down there on a daily basis, puts their life on the line to protect who? Black people. So when you say we just want to have but a conversation, on the lines to affect, let's to have a conversation about the black-on-black crime, which kills more black males, which is more of a threat to any black male in the United States than a, than, a, than a law enforcement
9: officer. Sheriff, yes, that's a, whole, that's a different conversation. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. There's an issue when it comes to violence. Black on black crime or black, it's, it's crime. White people kill white people, tend to kill uh, white people. You know what, white people go. tend not to kill in black the numbers. people. With, not, not in well, the numbers. Okay, that's fine, but that's a different I conversation. I don't care who white that people are That is a different killing. conversation than police brutality. And we're not having that conversation right now. What and again, I want, was, I want to be very let clear me ask with you. This. I condemn was, all violence of any type was, just, just for the right.
29: Was the situation between Mike Brown and Darren Wilson, was that police brutality?
9: But we're not talking about my yes no. Darren Wilson. I am. No, if you're asking me, if you're asking me what the Justice Department showed, the Justice Department showed that, da- that it exonerated Officer Darren Wilson, and that the hands up, don't shoot narrative was a false narrative. That has been reported by and CNN that and by others.
29: Was another phony report. What does that, that have was to debunked,
9: do with Baton Rouge?
29: Louisiana? All right, because when you take in what does that when to you take in Rouge, rates of involvement in violent crime. And crime and jobs and violent pissed. crime, you're going to see that black males up. are overrepresented. <laughs> yeah. Overrepresented. Yeah. In done, terms done. of being involved in violent done, crime, done. that's going to mean sure. more arrests. That's going to mean more people going to prison. This stuff has already been debunked. Sure. That's a different conversation. Every one time, every don't, time you many, don't have a response to something I say, that, you say, it's, it's that I don't have a response
9: to is that we're having two different conversations. I'm talking about, I'm <laughs> Let's keep the going, why here. Let's keep it you're going. You're answering the questions by asking questions <laughs> about some other subject that we're not discussing. We're talking about this hateful
29: ideology called Black Lives Matter. You said you're <laughs> not a member. You can't be a member. It's not, not an organization. That's where no you, structure. That's, where,
9: that's what it you're talking about. It is an ideology. And it is a hateful ideology. I understand it's a very these stressful individuals, time for you. These individuals. And Sheriff, we, we appreciate you coming on. They
29: preach Thank vile you. and vitriol in the name it. of
9: virtue. Yeah. Thank you, Sheriff. We appreciate it. We understand it's a very tough time for you. We'll be right back.
0: Wow, that's really degrading, isn't it? Let's play it one more time.
9: Let's play this. Thank you, Sheriff. We appreciate it. We understand it's a very tough time for you. We'll be right back.
0: He seems to be rather proud of himself there, isn't he? <laughs> oh, Don. All right, we got to keep moving right along, though, because that was a long one. Sorry about that. I told you the media gone totally crazy this week. Check out Megyn Kelly Whitesplaining.
6: Malik Shabazz is president of Black Lawyers for Justice and former president of the New Black Panthers group. Thank you, Malik, for being here. Welcome. What do you mean by that? You can understand how some people are hailing this cop killer as a hero.
32: I don't know if I said that but what I can...
6: You did. You said it to our Fox News reporter, Mike Tobin, yesterday, because the people in the audience behind you were chanting, hero, hero, about him. Excuse me, I did not say that. And you said that. I could understand Excuse me. That.
32: I did not say that, but I can tell you that the you pain... You think
6: we can run the
24: tape?
32: Let's talk about the pain and the suffering. Megan's a bulldog, isn't she? Of black people who are killed by police officers on a regular basis without due process, serving as judge, jury, and executioner on a regular basis. Our blood is being spilled in the streets. The blood of Alton Sterling, the blood Philandro Castile. Let's take us back to Mike Brown, Darius Michael Robinson. Michael Brown was Darius the Robinson. aggressor
6: on the police No, it was that yes, your, he was not. That
32: was your version. No,
6: it wasn't. It was Eric Holder's Department of De- De- Justice.
32: Department of Justice has failed us as well. Our blood is... What in,
6: facts do is you is have it. that Michael... No, no it's blood, an interview. So blood. we're going to
32: have it back and okay, forth. <laughs> it's
6: what an facts do you have that Michael Brown was not the aggressor, that Officer Darren Wilson was the aggressor?
32: Uh, because I've lived in St. Louis and I've talked to some of the witnesses and I know that in America, unless you have a video tape mm-hmm. then the word of the officers uh, prevails. You Darren understand at least you understand that at least, that at least Wilson, five black
6: witnesses came forward in that case to say that Michael Brown was the aggressor on office? Michael Darren. Brown
32: was unarmed,
6: and Michael Brown was not. He was not unarmed aggressor. until he tried to steal the see, cop's and
32: see, gun. And your attitude is part of the problem. There no we go. Attitude, I have no the attitude big, other than no, 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 truth. no, no, no. That basic position of what we call uh, white supremacy, white privilege, is what is it, it, is believing that an unarmed black man, all of us unarmed, being killed by armed police officer. Somehow it's our fault. But we don't see white males in America. I don't that are not But do, tell me, let me ask you this. For the record, Where I, I'm the not
6: white... a white supremacist.
32: No, that's the position. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, okay. the position that you believe that your lives are better than ours.
6: Well, I, I, I believe that you are the one who has made the racially insensitive statements. No,
32: for. no, man. This is a time in, and
6: time it's a racially
32: against. insensitive country. I
6: that's why it's victims. hard to take you seriously uh, when you try to speak uh, uh, out to about this. police and issues uh, of race.
0: We'll take... <laughs> the clip goes on. But we gotta keep moving because we can't spend our whole day on that kind of stuff There's a lot of stuff to cover in the overtime I got another long one uh, It's about Leon Panetta I'm just gonna play the first couple of bit of it I do think it's interesting he's out talking next, about this The next
23: president will face countless challenges on day one Tonight We're going to begin a series of interviews on the most serious of them, beginning with Syria, a nation torn to shreds by five years of civil war. Margaret Brennan spoke with Leon Panetta, a former CIA director, former defense secretary, and former White House chief of staff. There's no question that uh, the next president, just by virtue of the national security threat that flows from ISIS uh, out of Syria, is going to have to confront that situation.
0: And that's basically the most important thing he says in that interview. And what I find interesting about this is they're doing this big expose, this big whole part on Syria. Oh, hi there. music. So I don't know. That's kind of, I thought, noteworthy, especially since NBC had gotten access to Assad. I do want to spend a little extra time on Turkey. Let's talk about this one.
23: Tonight, a key U.S. ally is still reeling from that attempt to overthrow an elected government. A faction within Turkey's military sent warplanes and tanks to major cities on Friday. Nearly 300 people were killed. But the coup failed, and now Turkey's president is filling the jails with his enemies. Holly Williams is in Istanbul.
15: The Turkish government has moved swiftly, rounding up not just the soldiers who attempted to seize power, but others who it views as enemies, including judges and prosecutors. People are now in custody, with more arrests to come. At a funeral today for some of those killed in the failed coup, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan vowed to destroy what he called the virus that caused it. The attempted coup was a night of chaos and violence. As tanks rolled onto city streets, fighter jets buzzed overhead. A bomb tore through Turkey's parliament and members of the military took control of Turkish state TV.
0: All right, so we already know that
8: bit. One more turkey clip. Joining us now, Jillian Turner, former staff member for the White House National Security Council. She's coming from New York. Here in Cleveland, KT McFarland, Fox News National Security Analyst, and in Washington, syndicated columnist Charles Krauthammer. Uh, KT, what are you hearing about the latest out of, out of Turkey?
21: It several things. It's a military, if it's a military coup by senior leaders, they could well be in charge by tomorrow. Um, Erdogan's not in hiding. He's on vacation. and So the <laughs> coup is potentially very well-timed. Now, when we think of coups, we usually think the bad guys are coming in removing democratically elected leaders. This could be just the opposite. That Erdogan, who was assembling more and more power at the expense of the military, at the expense of the courts, at the expense of the parliament, this could be a coup to really take power away from the authoritarian and put it back into a secular democracy.
8: Yeah, these are the wires coming in and hiding, not in the capital. probably, is what they right. meant to type. Gosh, you know, KT,
0: you're such a good analyst. Such a good, you just nailed that. Except for all the parts... You got wrong. How about a little more on Trump? Uh, I had a th- I had a clip I played last week of Giuliani, and I couldn't believe what he was saying. I couldn't believe, you know, as a career politician. Well, now basically he's a career politician. I couldn't believe that he w- he didn't know better. I want to play that again for you because it was just so shocking.
22: Welcome back on this Saturday morning on Fox & Friends, former mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani, joins us now. Nice to see you this morning, Mr. Mayor. You're coming under fire uh, for some comments that you made uh, the other day, of course, in the wake uh, of these shootings. And this is something that you're you're used to dealing with. You remember this, right? Here's the quote that you put out the other day on MSNBC. Do you remember this? Read it and then get you to respond to this. So let's teach everyone, including the children of the black community, that most of those police officers are the reason you're alive because the real danger to you is that black kid who's going to shoot you on the street because that happens many, many more times than police officers.
0: Which, that was awful. And then he managed to take it even up a notch from here. Of course. Yeah, Your I pl- re- Yes, I played this last week. I'm playing it because I'm, I'm building a case. The response this
22: morning is that, well, the, the response is that you're a racist now. <laughs> well, well if, uh, a-
30: stating the truth is being a racist... Then we're in a very sad situation in this country. What I just said, what you just quoted, has statistically been the case for all my years in law enforcement. When I was mayor of New York, I took over 1,924 murders the year before I was mayor. I brought it down to about 500. Mike Bloomberg brought it down to about 300. I calculate that I saved about seven or eight thousand black lives. Bloomberg and I together, maybe twelve thousand. There are no two mayors that ever saved more black lives in any city, any place in the country.
0: So I, I just I was I was I couldn't believe he said this last week. I think you might remember my reaction. Then, then Gingrich comes along, and Gingrich uh, also says something that I just I simply couldn't believe that he said. Uh, and again, it's it's. Uh, somebody who's a career politician who is usually a little more careful with what they say. He sometimes is known for stepping in, but it's, it was here, remarkable.
16: And let me be as blunt and as direct as I can be. Western civilization is in a war. We should, frankly, test every person from here who's, who test them. is of a Muslim background. And if they believe in Sharia, they should be deported wow
0: okay okay so that's incredible that's an incredible statement it's it would be an incredible effort I couldn't believe it then representative Steve King comes out and says that white people have contributed more than any other civilization white people business, though, does get a little tired Charlie I mean I'd ask you to go back through history and- he says it gets a little tired Charlie I'd ask you to go back through history figure out where are these contributions that have been made by these other categories of people that you're talking about if that, what where did any other subgroup of people contribute more to civilization than white people
4: then then western civilization itself that's rooted in western europe eastern europe and the united states of america and every place where the footprint of christianity
16: settled the world Asia? that's all of western civilization oh, so what about
0: <laughs> they freak out immediately. We're not going to
8: argue. I uh,
0: so I got a little bacon. I got a little bacon. I mean, this is this is crazy. This is not how civilized dialogue usually happens, especially on TV. This is really something. Uh and I think what it was is I think this is people that are are sort of not taking a full bullet, but they're taking a flesh wound for Trump right now. I think to divert the attention from some of the things he says, because they're trying to rebuild Trump's image a little bit, which is sort of good timing on their part. And it is possible that they have stooges in politics intentionally saying stupid shit to take away some of the heat. It's got to be possible. I mean, when it comes to Trump, everybody's crazy, including check out the Never Trump movement leader, who's also a big Trump supporter or uh, Cruz Unruh, supporter,
23: who you just saw in Juliana's report is a delegate from Colorado. She was originally a supporter of Ted Cruz.
0: This, by the way, was the night before the first day of the Republican convention before everything went down
23: and then led the attempt here to change the rules to unbind the delegates so the delegates could vote for whoever they wanted. But that has not come to pass.
0: Ms. Unruh, he's not talking about the, uh, the failure roll call on the floor. He's talking about changing rules. This is your
23: eighth Republican convention and all the previous seven. You have always supported the nominee. Why not now?
6: Well, that's asked of me a lot, but because he's not a Republican and he doesn't exemplify the platform that we have. And right now, the base is not excited to go out and work for Donald Trump. I think that's true. And that's, unfortunately, what's going to happen is we're not going to win against Hillary. And the whole movement has been to make sure that there's another nominee that can actually unite the party, because right now it's extraordinarily divided.
23: Are you resigned to losing this election? Oh, We
6: haven't haven't lost right now, because we're still in the nomination process, and there's still a a plan that we can actually deny the rules, the incredible overreach power grab that the establishment actually strangled the voice of the grassroots, and they did that in the rules committee.
0: So let's see how that plays out, because she sp- spends the rest of the interview talking about how they're going to win. They're going to stop this tomorrow. Mr.
20: Chairman, fellow delegates, I offer the following resolution and ask for its immediate consideration. Resolved that the rules, as printed and distributed, be adopted as the rules for the election and the governing of the Republican National Committee, the rules under which delegates and alternate delegates shall be elected, selected, and allocated, and the rules which serve as the rules of the Republican National Convention. Mr. Chairman and delegates of the Convention, the report of the Committee on Rules and Order of Business has been printed and distributed to the delegates. These rules incorporate the changes adopted by the Convention Committee on Rules and Order of Business at our earlier meeting today. I am honored to have served as the chairwoman of this committee, and I am proud of our committee's work. Mr. Chairman, these rules will provide a strong governing framework for our convention and our party. I move the adoption of the resolution and yield back the balance of my time.
0: Now watch.
30: Thank you. Without objection, the previous question is ordered. The question is on adoption of the resolution. All those in favor say aye. All those opposed, no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. And the resolution is agreed to.
0: The resolution is agreed to.
30: The motion to reconsider is laid upon the table.
0: The motion to reconsider is laid upon the table and then they cut away and he walks off. He walks, that's him walking off stage.
2: The chair now recognizes the delegate from the state of West Virginia. Wow, for the Steve of offering this is this is incredible, Steve. They say they are the, the eyes have it on a voice vote. They are saying the eyes have it on a voice vote, despite the signatures on the petitions oh, the that were submitted. What, what is this delegate
31: saying? That the the
2: they're calling for a roll call vote, Congressman. O'Reilly we're live on MSNBC. MSNBC. What do you have to O'Reilly say? Chairman,
14: we'll they should give us, us a roll call vote. I think they're making a motion right now. I am to
21: yield to the of the
1: committee. What a show, huh?
30: United States Senator.
0: Now all of a sudden they're not they're not proceeding with even though he reco- even though they were going to they, even though they recognize it now all of a sudden they're proceeding as if it never happened.
30: John Barasso.
0: They turn off this guy's microphone who's protesting it. So they've moved on, right? they've moved they moved on. His
2: mic is now off. Yeah, they moved on. And he walks on. and he
0: walks off stage. The chairman walks off stage right there. I was wrong earlier. This is when he walks off stage.
2: They are not recognizing br- the petition. Yeah. Uh, Congressman Buck, what do you have to say?
0: Congressman won't answer. Instead, he grabs the never-Trump gal that we just heard from.
2: Kendall, what do you have to say? Congressman, we're live on MSNBC. What do you have to say? Go ahead, Kendall. Kendall, leader of the Free the Delegates Stop Trump Movement. No.
0: You can tell they're, they're kind of, they are they're don't know what to do exactly. They completely
2: ignored uh, the, the the petitions here.
6: Um. Well, are we surprised that they ignored the voice of the people that obviously were screaming and you said, so, you know what, let's keep this going. Go on!
0: And then she just bows out. They're
2: continuing to protest here with a call of a roll call vote, Steve. This is unbelievable, especially if the required amount of petitions as required were submitted to the secretary of the convention. They're saying they were. They have showed us those petitions. I was in the process of showing you those petitions live on the air. When they called for this voice vote... And the chairman, uh, at the time, said he recognized. See
0: how he's tabbing the mic because they've turned off the mic on these guys, so they, they can't uh, they can't voice
2: the voice vote and said that the eyes have it. You heard it yourself. There were a lot of nays, but regardless of whether the eyes or the nays had it, based on the voice vote, they submitted petitions under the rules that were supposed to be recognized, and they were not.
17: And
12: and just to so tell people here on the left side of your screen what you're seeing, that gentleman at the microphone.
11: He's walking away now. That's Ken Cuccinelli. Ken Cuccinelli, the former Attorney General from the state of Virginia, he is one of the leaders in the uh, in the Stop Trump, in the Never Trump movement. He was trying to get the attention uh, of the chair from the delegation
12: microphone in Virginia. You see that microphone shut off. He was tapping on it. He was shouting into it. You see in the Colorado That's right. delegation here as That's well. That's
2: right, Steve. Not only that, not only that, but Ken Cuccinelli had formed an alliance here with Kendall Underwood. Ken Cuccinelli wanted to see at the Rules Committee a set of changes made to the rules of the RNC that would change the primary schedule. Other things that people said were favorable to a Ted Cruz run in 2020. They had made an alliance here to sign these petitions in order to uh, reject the rules.
0: So the rest of the clip's in the sink if you'd like to see it. That was really something. Here's a couple of highlights from the first day that uh, we didn't talk about earlier.
8: Now he may not always tell you what you want to hear. You may not always agree.
0: Yeah, that's Willie from Doug Dynasty. Yeah, you know it.
8: Agreed. And it may not always be politically correct. Oh! But when your father's Phil Robertson, I'm used to that. Okay. <laughs> okay, that but makes sense. For some... you first-time voters, Scott Bale. it's important for you to know what it means to be an American. It doesn't mean getting free stuff. <laughs>
27: Jeff Sessions. This election will make it happen.
0: He's not gay. He's hilarious.
27: That is why we need Donald Trump. We
30: must not be afraid to define Giuliani. our enemy.
15: It is Islamic extremist terrorism. Yikes. intends to represent all the people, not just some of the people. That includes Christians and Jews and Muslims. It includes Hispanics and African Americans and Asians and the poor and the middle class.
0: All right, so we're just about done with the overtime and we'll get uh, into a couple more things before we leave. I wonder what was this clip. Let me see here. This is. Uh... Oh, yeah, right. Uh, boy, that's a little heavy. I think I'll leave that for you guys. But uh, that's Pat Smith, the uh, mom of the Benghazi guy. Boy, there's a few things. Uh, there's a few things I want to play for you before we get out of here. There's uh, there's this story floating around.
11: The New York Times reports Roger Ailes is in talks to step down and as he has, of yeah. Fox News. The network's powerful chairman and CEO is reportedly negotiating his departure amid sexual harassment allegations. Yeah, this is the guy that runs Fox News. You heard right. His attorney denies all the accusations. The latest is that he sexually harassed star anchor Megyn Kelly. Nina Neier is outside Fox News headquarters in New York. Nina, good morning
28: good morning. Well, Roger Ailes was already under investigation by a sexual harassment lawsuit brought by former Fox News anchor Gretchen Carlson. Then yesterday, Megan Kelly, the network's rising star, reportedly told OMG, investigators OMG, that he OMG. had made similar sexual OMG, advances OMG, towards OMG. her about 10 years ago when she was starting off at Fox News. Welcome to The Kelly File, everyone. I'm Megan Kelly. It was business as usual for Fox News correspondent, correspondent. Megan Kelly Tuesday night reporting from the Republican National Convention. But according to sources cited by New York Magazine, Kelly has also reported to investigators that her boss, Roger Ailes, made unwanted sexual advances toward her about 10 years ago, and she described her harassment in detail.
22: Megan Kelly's star status in the network uh, made his position untenable. Where does Roger Ailes go if uh, he's being accused by one of his most prominent employees, prominent women, of being a sexual harasser.
28: Ailes' attorney issued a statement denying the report. Roger Ailes has never sexually harassed Megyn Kelly. In fact, he has spent much of the last decade promoting and helping her to achieve the stardom she earned, for which she has repeatedly and publicly thanked him. Kelly had nothing but praise for her boss when she spoke to Charlie Rose last year.
6: I really care about Fox, and I really care about Roger, and he's been nothing but good to me and he's been very loyal and he's had my back.
8: Of course, this is right when she's
0: getting getting her, her show all upgraded, of course. I mean, just worth noting.
6: Kelly's
28: reported accusation is apparently putting increased pressure on Fox News' parent corporation to remove Ailes. An internal investigation was launched after former Fox News host Gretchen Carlson filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against Ailes two weeks ago. She posted a video online Tuesday. I want to support all women who've been victims of sexual harassment. It's time for us to come out of the shadows and let our voices be Vertical heard. Video. Fox executives appear to be taking the accusations against Ailes seriously.
22: They're in these discussions right now. And the real question is how quickly they can get Ailes out and under what terms.
28: Fox parent company 21st Century Fox issued a statement. Roger is at work. The review is ongoing. The only agreement that is in place is his existing employment agreement. Some say any exit deal would likely be a lucrative one for the Fox chief.
22: I think you can expect to see Roger Ailes with a rich payday for, you know, leaving under an incredible cloud. You're talking about tens of millions of dollars.
28: Megan Kelly's attorney says his client will not be making any comment while this investigation is underway. He did, however, say she is cooperating fully and truthfully. Gail, it's also worth noting that 12... Former Fox News anchors and a current one have stepped forward in defense Yikes. of Ailes. It's getting
0: right, messy. Thank you very much. Vanilla. Although I haven't followed it closely, I believe he has actually now stepped down. Correct, Jeremy? Yeah. I think I saw photos of him leaving yesterday. I could, uh, I could be wrong on that. Well, Chase is just about here. There's a couple more clips I have to play, though. I got a, I got a click one. I got to yeah. Hmm. All right, why don't I play this for you?
15: stronger not weaker this entire campaign comes down to a single question if Hillary Clinton can't give us the truth
21: why should we give her the presidency
0: So they've really turned this mom uh, into a celebrity and uh, these uh, Benghazi soldiers into a celebrity. Benghazi, 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 Benghazi is how you could summarize the RNC, really.
8: And so these were their stars. We have to elect someone who will lead with strength and integrity. And I believe that person is Donald Trump.
29: We did our part. Every fallen veteran did their part. Now do yours. Now it's time to
8: you do, you do yours. God thank bless you. you thank you
0: all. Now the coordination here between Fox News, specifically the Hannity program, surprisingly, uh, huh, and the RNC is shocking. So these people, they do speeches up there on stage, and now they're panel members on Hannity's show.
30: Now that was the hero of Benghazi and the mother of Sean Smith. Her-
0: you know, the fact that they brand these people... The, the killer of Osama bin Laden, the mother of Benghazi, the hero of Benghazi. This branding. That trivializes it itself. That is degrading. It's so hollow. It's so phony. It's so Hollywood that it degrades the real the real event. And yet they don't even see it. God Thank bless you. you. Thank you all.
30: Now, that was the hero of Benghazi and the mother of Sean Smith. Her son, of course, was killed during the terror attack. And speaking all of them earlier tonight here at the RNC in Cleveland, joining us now, the co-authors of 13 Hours, Mark Eyes, Oz Geist, and John Tigg. I can't keep up with all your nicknames, Tegan, and Sean Smith's mother, Pat Smith. Um, I was really glad, because I've gotten to know all of you, to see you have that big stage, that big audience tonight. What did it mean for you? You lost your son. You We've been this? over, you've been lied to. We know your son was asking for security before. Begging.
0: Begging. This is grade A propaganda. This is, this is using this poor mom. And of course, she's so angry. And
8: they're using her.
21: Begging. He, he told me on the phone the night before that, well, he was going to die. And that's a heck of a thing to have to hear your son say.
30: Six Over 600 requests for security yes. denied. Your son son should be alive.
21: uh, Yes. And these guys said that they could have done it.
0: (sighs) It's a sad story. It's a sad story. All right, so uh, with Mr. Chase's arrival here i got to play a clip all about the VW emission scandal as is tradition. New
11: fallout in the Volkswagen emission scandal. Lawsuits filed by three states claim top executives were involved with creating so-called defeat devices. Software helped hundreds of thousands of so-called clean diesel cars pass tests in the United States.
20: Now, these lawsuits come weeks after an estimated $15 billion record settlement package with owners and regulators in the United States. Chris Van Cleve is in Washington with the newest blow to the huge, automaker. Chris, good morning.
12: Good morning. This is one of the affected vehicles that Volkswagen may now have to buy back, but the company's legal troubles are far from over. These latest lawsuits cite internal Volkswagen documents and allege this was a long-running, well-known ploy to skirt laws in the U.S. and around the world.
11: This was not a corporate decision, from my point of view. This was a couple of software engineers blame it on the engineers. for whatever reason.
12: Blame it on the engineers. <laughs> That's then-Volkswagen U.S. CEO Michael Horn in October, giving Congress what had become the Volkswagen emissions scandal party line. Some found it hard to believe.
27: VW is trying to get the United States of America to believe. These are a couple of rogue engineers. I categorically reject that.
12: The lawsuits filed Tuesday confirm those suspicions, pointing to company documents showing defeat devices were discussed and approved by managers, then concealed from regulators. Among the top executives named is former CEO Martin Vinterkorn, who had previously denied wrongdoing but resigned from his post in September.
9: This cover-up was deep, wide, and long-lasting.
12: New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman.
9: The idea that this level of fraud could take place and involve so many people at such high levels of these major international corporations for so long is
12: appalling. Volkswagen, Audi, and Porsche sold nearly 600,000 vehicles in the U.S. with software designed to cheat emission standards. The New York state lawsuit alleges VW developed six separate defeat devices to get around engineering challenges with its clean diesel engines and did a cost-benefit analysis over potential penalties for getting caught. I'm angrier today than I was
23: a couple days ago, and I was pretty pissed
12: a couple days ago. uh... Joe Alper bought a 2011 Audi A3 equipped with a defeat device. How do
23: nine guys sit around the table and go, hey, let's cheat, and no one else goes, that's a bad idea?
12: In a statement, Volkswagen said the allegations are essentially not new, (laughs) adding, it is regrettable that some states have decided to sue for environmental claims now. These latest lawsuits stop short of linking the current VW CEO to knowledge of the Defeat devices. And because that earlier settlement didn't deal with penalties the company could face, these lawsuits can move forward. The Maryland attorney general says in his state alone, the potential liability to VW is in the billions of dollars. Gail? Yeah. And that's All right. Thank you, Chris. That's the... very
31: serious stuff.
0: Very, <laughs> thanks, Gail. Oh, hey, thanks. buddy. Hey, man. So there you go. That's, I, I saved that for you. Thanks, Gail. Yeah yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. That's some serious stuff. You don't care.
0: I also, I, you saved, don't care, Gail. I saved this for you, too. Uh, this is my favorite moment for Don- Donald Trump this week. You may have heard or seen this because everybody loved it. If it's but not
3: his, his entrance into the convention, God, that's so I, good. Don't,
0: I don't want to see anything else. You know, I can't play that because of copyright, but this is damn great. It's Gray. on C-SPAN. Check this out. Check
17: this out. Okay,
21: uh, this is my absolute final question. Um, you're not known to be a humble man. But I wonder.
17: I think I am actually humble. I think I'm much more humble than you would understand.
0: (laughs) How good is that, dude? Wow. You got to hear it one more time. It's so good. It's good.
21: Okay, uh, this is my absolute final question. Um, You're not known to be a humble man. But I wonder.
17: I think I am actually humble. I think I'm much more humble than you would understand. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I love it.
3: I
17: love it. I love wow. it. It's so
0: good. Your next president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to The Overtime. There's so much this week to cover and way, way more in the supporters thing. If you're one of our patrons at that level, check it out. If you're not yet a supporter, go over to patreon.com unfilter. And we'll see you back here
12: next week. week. Get it out of here. that's
10: how we know that's how we know